Hey everyone, welcome to Game Face, episode 258, and people, do we have a gigantic episode for you guys today. In fact, we don't want to spend a ton of time on the intro, despite the fact that we kind of need to, to kind of give you a blueprint of what we're doing for E3. Also, some news broke just before we got everything together for the show. We're going to discuss that very briefly here off the top of the show. Uh, The big news is that God of War has been delayed out of the year And maybe the bigger part of that news, Matt, is that it's cross-gen. People online seem to be losing their crap over this. Is it, are they freaking out over nothing? I mean, as the answer usually is for the internet, yes, they are freaking out (laughs) over nothing. Um, I mean, my two things on that would would generally, just in general, would be, um, did you not like the last one? Because yeah. that was also on PS4. <laughs> exactly. And if you just give me that again with ray tracing, I'm fine. Like that's cool. Uh, second, like I don't know what people, what magic people think is going to be better in in the next. Like it's the hard, It's not like you're redesigning for the next year. You're not being held back by anything. You have a graphics slider. You have a quality slider. Like I get like Ratchet and Clank's using the instant like load thing and stuff like that. But a lot of times you're still going to be super fast. Like yeah, you know, the games that are on both don't like you know don't run out of you know not not load properly or not use like you know proper hardware things like i think it's fine it's fine any any project that started that far before the ps5 hardware was finalized is going to be cross-gen yeah like, it's not until you're looking at stuff that started probably in like late 2019 early 2020 that's really going to be you know locked into only the ps5 it's kind of being angry that a pc game can run in 720p a little bit, yeah. It's, it's like it's like if you're upset that you have a low graphics setting on your on your Witcher game or something. I guess that's the kind of the equivalent here. Like I I, I just don't see. I mean, I get, you're going to see stuff that like Ratchet and Clank was built around something the new hardware lets you do. Yeah, I think I that's think, probably part of think, the disappointment. Yeah. yeah, but I don't think a sequel to God of War was going to do that unless you also wanted Kratos jumping through portals to different dimensions. I guess, which is I guess possible, but like. I don't know. I don't think God of War really needs it. I think I yeah. think you're going to have plenty of uh, you know. Look at Horizon. Horizon doesn't look like a PS4 game to me. Like looks fine. I'm sure a lot of those little graphical tricks won't be on the PS4 if you play it on PS4. But like I had no problem looking at that. Yeah. I had no problem looking at Miles Morales. Like yeah. I play Miles Morales was like oh wow this really does feel like something I could not play at this level of fidelity on the PS4. Like it was fine. I mean, I know I get that like people want like some kind of justification for the system they killed themselves to get, and in some cases paid a premium to get from scalpers. But like, this is this is sort of what they were, these new systems were built to do. And as much as Sony said that they believed in generations, I think we're seeing very clearly here <laughs> that Microsoft had the right of it in terms of the transition here. Yeah, I mean the other news too is that Gran Turismo Seven, same boat. It's going to be a cross-gen release. Um, I just think Sony at this point mm. is just afraid to let go of that huge install base with the problems they've part had of it. getting also, like, units G- made. GT7 surprises me more, I think, um, because you'd think that, like, just the just polyphony in terms of company culture, you'd think that they'd be planning some weird physics crap that only the yeah. PS5 can handle or something. You know, that's just yeah. how they are. Like, polyphony has never been afraid to target, like, the top, you know, the, the early new system, the new stuff, like, the things that people... You know that you know they're okay appealing to a very narrow audience. Like they they consider GTA to be a they consider GTA to be basically a boutique franchise anyway. At mm-hmm. least internally, I don't think Sony does. I think Sony would like that to sell 15 million copies, like it used um, to back in the yeah. early days. 
but polyphony is i think just considered you know they're they're making that those games for almost for themselves in some ways like yep. for car nuts and you know that kind of thing so the gt the G, gran turismo uh cross-platform news actually surprises me more yep i would agree with that um i'm not too b- bummed out by either one of them other than the fact yeah. for me per personally and for my fantasy team losing god of war is a pretty big blow, but also not incredibly yeah. surprising. I, so, right. I mean, I told you that when you drafted it. Yeah. Um, I mean, we, you know, it's it's impressive to me that they've been sitting on this news for months. <laughs> they finally, Jason, right before Jason, E3. Sh- you know, Jason Schreier straight up said they delayed it months ago. They only just admitted it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, even I mean, I assumed it back in January. But at like, this point, I mean, we're six months into the year and we've seen a logo. Yeah. So it was pretty it wasn't obvious. Happening. Yeah. I mean, the no. truth is, one of my games, my second alternate, scored really high. So <laughs> I'm yeah. actually kind of hoping that two of my games fall out. Um, and actually, both our teams got pretty good news this week regarding games mm-hmm. that we're going to discuss in this week's episode. And folks, we have so many big games to talk about. It has been an amazing week in the games industry. Everything is ramping up for E3. Next week's show, which will be back on Tuesday... Mm-hmm. Um, will be a big E3 preview, a look at any of the stuff that's happened for E3 from today until then. Um, We'll lay out what coverage we're going to be doing. Keep in mind that E3 kicks off not this Saturday coming, but the one after. So we're about 10 days away from E3, um, and we'll have our solid plans for you next Tuesday, again at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, here at twitch.tv slash siftedgames. And then we'll be doing live coverage, live reactions of all the big press conference, all the big events. Um, Matt, we may even be back together again here in the studio for E3. I think that's amazing. It's crazy. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Um, so Finally, thanks. back to back to driving an hour both ways. <laughs> well, I will say this. I still drive in this area all the time, and the traffic is still really dead in L.A. It hasn't quite got back yet to what it was beforehand. So mm, Drive to Disneyland. Well, that's <laughs> It's true. back. I can see that. You're on the highways and stuff like that. Mm. I can see where it would be bad. Uh, but anyway, we're getting really excited for E3 2021. Obviously, as you guys know, it is an all-digital event again this year. Um, but they will be putting out press conferences as usual. Nintendo announced its press event today. Matt, only forty minutes long. Does that surprise yeah. you? Um, I mean, that's kind of average for Nintendo. Also, like I think we talked about how we're not sure what the hell they'd possibly be talking about. So, like, yeah, it's kind of like okay, so we're gonna get like probably fifteen minutes on the fifteen twenty minutes on the new Switch, and like probably an extended gameplay trailer of Breath of the Wild to close it. Like I think they'll open with the new Switch model and they'll close with Breath of the Wild, and in the middle would be a bunch of crap we don't care about and a new Smash character. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's probably I- pretty accurate. I'm a little and, uh, disappointed. 40 they, minutes, and no man. One will, and no one will mention Metroid. 40 minutes like, for an E3 presentation. That's not much. So I mean, Nintendo doesn't usually go much over an hour, but that it does feel kind of light considering how little we know. You can do a lot in 20 minutes, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> you could have shown but a like, lot of stuff in that amount of time. I don't know. I, maybe I think there'll be a like a Samus helmet for a- Animal Crossing. <laughs> I think that'll be the th- and maybe like a like a Metroid, like you can put like a Metroid hat. Yeah, like you put a hat on it, just as a little Metroid on your character's head. That'll that'll be the 35th anniversary celebration for Metroid, is Animal Crossing clothing. Yeah, and That's then they they are following that up with all their usual treehouse streams. After that, where they'll actually mm-hmm. play the games that they show in the press conference. So there's always a chance that we'll get something special in that. 
Um, Nintendo's press conference is the last day of E3 in the morning. We're going to have to be here early, Kyle, for that one. Um, so do you think that that's just because that's why they decided to do it? Or do you think they think they have something so cool it's worth going last? Well, I think they have new hardware. And they're the only ones that are going to have new hardware. Yeah, but it's bullshit. So it's, it's like It may not weird. be, though. It's a it's a DS light. Like we'll get nice. into it. That's a topic in today's show, and we have mm. nine topics today. Like six of which are games. We have a lot to get through. If we're a little short or shorter than you're used to with Game Face on some of the topics, just know that it is going to be a hustle to get everything in before the show ends today. So hopefully, you cut us a little slack for this week. In fact, you might want to cut us a little slack for the next like two or three weeks because every show that we do for the next like several weeks is just going to have so much stuff to get to in a short amount of time. So we may not dive as deep on stuff as we normally do on the show, but we want to make sure we get all the big news, all the big games out to you guys uh, as quickly as we can and uh, as succinctly as we can over the next few episodes of Game Face and our E3 coverage. So really excited for E3. Hope you guys are too. But before that, we have some big stuff to talk about because all kinds of stuff is breaking right now leading up to E3. We just talked about... Um, God of War and Gran Turismo, those announcements being basically blasted out this morning, the week before E3. I'm guessing they didn't want to have to deal with all the negative sentiment during E3. They would have preferred to uh, have people get all that anger out of their system on social media a week and a half beforehand, set expectations accordingly, um, and then go from there. Also this week, Sony was like, don't sweat it too much because we're going to show you the first gameplay of Horizon Forbidden West. Um, and they did show us a nice chunk of gameplay, Matt. 14 minutes of raw footage. It's basically a developer walkthrough, although they showed the gameplay raw first, and then at the end, a developer came in and kind of walked you through all the stuff that they showed in the actual gameplay. Matt, is it everything that you would uh, kind of hope that it would be? You're obviously a huge fan of this franchise. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's about, so am I. Right. It's about what I was hoping for. I think the uh, you know the character faces are way better animated. Uh, they've expanded the melee combat tr- tremendously and like added more combos and options for the staff. And she's got like, you know, she's got a lot of uh, new tools to play with. Like that's what they really need to do is expand her her repertoire basically. And uh, they seem to have done that. Um, the new uh, the new creatures. Uh, we didn't see too many new stuff except for the mammoth, um, yeah. but that was cool. Uh, I can't imagine you'll be fighting a lot of those. Uh, you know, those seem like big moments when you would fight a, a, at least a mounted mammoth. Uh, the enemies riding the raptors was cool. Like the, you know, they, they're taking the components they have and sort of you know extrapolating logically what can we do with these next. Um, so that was fun to see. How do you feel about her? Her face. She does look different. Um, there was some incel uproar on Twitter. Yeah, I saw that. Where some douchebag was like, why isn't she wearing makeup? Good lord. Because there's been no civilization for 400 years and they don't <laughs> have fashion magazines so and you fucking dipshit. Oh my like, gosh. Although I did like that that, that, the, that that tweet, like it had like the picture of her from the game and next to her was like the, the makeup picture. And the makeup picture, she's all smiling like yeah. she's glad to see you or whatever. And the other one, she's like, mm. and like I was like, I think the one on the left just saw the picture on the right. Um <laughs> But anyway, I do think that there is there is something to that. You're right. The faces look better, no doubt about it. But mm. I I don't I mean, care. The that dialogue she, matches the lips. Like yeah, you're already, yeah. like right, right there, you're ahead of the first game. Yeah. Right? I don't care that she's wearing makeup or not. But no, her, the faces not. do look a little plasticky. Would you agree with mm. that? 
A little bit. I mean, like you run into that a lot these days as, you know, there's only a few, I'd say, developers that avoid that yeah. pitfall on a regular basis, like Naughty Dog, Insomniac. Um, I mean, even Ghost of Tsushima had that here and there. Um, it's just sort of the nature of the beast, especially in a game that has to pull back as far as this one does mm-hmm. um, in terms of, of size. Uh, but I was fine with it. I do. Th- I still think it's an improvement. Oh yeah! One. Oh yeah! Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the faces look worse or anything. Yeah, they look and way Aloy, better. And like Aloy does not need to be a beauty queen to yeah, me. Yeah, like and I don't no, feel like that she, way either. I'm talking about all the faces, not just hers. Yeah, I think they. I think they look fine. Like, yeah, I don't have a. You know, it, it's. It'd be one thing if it was more of like a Last of Us style game. It was so narrative focused and like very much in you know in the in the smaller areas with the characters stuff. Mm-hmm. This is an open world game. I feel I feel like uh, you know there's always some balance there between what you can work on. Some you know, do the faces match up to the detail that's happening in the in the machine creatures at this point? No. Yeah. Um, the machines look amazing. Yeah, I mean, I mean they always have, but these, yeah. you know, now you got the, the feathers on the raptors and like all the crazy gears and stuff moving around in the mammoth when it's running around. It's like just the like heads with the jaws alone. The fight because like I was looking at the internals of the mammoth. Uh, it was, it's very, like whoever does that stuff. I mean, I'm sure it's a team of people doing the, the art and the, and the, and the actual modeling, but like, so, I mean, just, it's just like, I think about going back to the old days when it's just like, you'd be like, Oh, this game has a thousand polygons on screen a second. And now that's like, her face right it's like, like the like, head of one of the yeah. creatures it's like the, the mammoth's ear is probably it's like amazing polygons. it really is amazing uh, a lot of new details were announced uh when they showed this and we're going to run through them real quickly um it's set a thousand years into earth's future after a global mm. global collapse um humans are no longer the dominant species again that was part of the first game um the twist here is that a rebel threat has learned how to commandeer the machines and they are riding the machines around. And in the course of this demo, Aloy learns how to do it herself. And that's a big part of the game mm-hmm. as well. You can sneak up to the machines. Mm-hmm. You use this little device to kind of take control of them. And then you can hop on them and they're your mounts throughout the game. Yeah. I mean, she could do that in the first game um, with specific ones. You couldn't right. ride like the really aggressive stuff. You could make them your ally, but you couldn't like ride a gator. Right. And it looks like it looks like there's no limits to what you can ride in this one. Yep. Um, the base of the plot is that there's a strange red light that's spreading across the land, and it's yeah. trying to strangle all life from the land. Which is, which is presumed to be uh, what's it, Apollo, the uh, the evil AI at the mm-hmm. end that, from from uh, the first one, who's yep. like kind of the main antagonist. There's an implication, I believe, at the end of the first one that like he isn't really destroyed. You know, like right. there's a little cliffhanger yep. there. So it's hard to kill an AI, especially with sticks. Yeah, um, it's, you know, it's like they they can they can download themselves other places, and certainly in this case, it seems like you're going to basically California. Well, the um, demo they said it, this is set in San Francisco. Yeah, I had no idea. I'll admit, like watching yeah. this demo, I did not know it was supposed to be set in San Francisco. Well, I don't think they're in San Francisco yet. Oh, I thought um, they were. No, because like at the end, they get the little uh, the little man, the, like uh, uh, what's his name. Ruck or whatever. Yeah, the, the map. Guy. I thought it was showing him San Diego, but no, you're saying... the thing glow is glowing like just north of San Francisco. Oh, I and thought that like, was oh, San Diego, and they're okay. like, "Oh, I guess that's where we're going." So, gotcha. um, okay. So I don't think I think they're out of you know the first game takes place in like Denver area, and I think they're west of that. But I think the thing they were looking for was like Utah or something, and like they're like, "Oh, I guess we got to go all the way west." I mean, um, it's called Forbidden West, and they are yeah, it's living so up to the name for sure. 
And there's been some concept art, I think, that shows the Golden Gate Bridge. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, kind of ruined and stuff. Like, I think you're going to be you're going to be seeing a lot of Northern California landmarks. I hope I'd be, be kind of cool to see some some machine stuff crashing through the redwoods or something like that. I think there's a lot of potential there. I mean, um, it's also because I'm from there, so I like to like to see that area depicted in games. Yeah, of so. course. Yeah, I mean, I, I live there as well, so I'm always down with San Francisco appearing in any form in a game. What does San Francisco look like a thousand years after a terrible Silicon Valley person ruined the world? <laughs> um, let's see. One of the new things is is called the focus scanner. Now, I may get the terminology and some of this stuff wrong because at the end when they had the developer talking about this stuff, no offense, but it was hard to understand what he was saying. Mm-hmm. English appeared to be a second language, and so some of the words were hard for me to figure out. I believe it's called the focus scanner. Um, but it's yeah, a scanner. I, think the, I mean, the focus is the is the is the name of the thing on her head, her her little device. Right. Yeah. Um, and it highlights hand and footholds for free climbing, um, and they can appear anywhere in the open world. Matt, I did not find this to be a neat feature. Like, I um, why do you I have to scan it, to find handholds? Um, I think because they don't want to have to do the thing from the first game, where the only places you can climb are like the noted like the yellow ledge things. Yeah. Um, and those look like they're still there. Like they're still, yeah. they still use yellow paint to yep. indicate stuff you can grapple to or whatever things like. But I think they're trying. One of the frustrations, especially having replayed the first game when I got the PS5, I was like, oh yeah, this is really annoying that I can't climb like the sides of things unless I, I am on a designated climbing yeah. section. And I think this might be their solution to like not sticking yellow paint over everything, but letting you just like, okay, can I just climb the side of this mountain instead of like finding like the the designated way up? And so you just scan and see where she can climb. You go up and then you don't have to do like the kind of, you know, because other games I think would use like Tomb Raider would use like the climbing texture, you know, like this texture is on something you can climb it. You know, I mean, I would just prefer be able thing. to climb anything like Assassin's Creed. Like, I seriously figured that this game would include that at this point. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see how widespread that is. But I do think that this is a an effort to um, give you more climbing freedom without painting the the whole environment yellow. I honestly would rather have them just paint it because I'm going to miss stuff. You know, unless you're just going to scan, scan, scan. I know you'll do that because you love scanning in games, mm. but. I don't want to have to just run through the whole game constantly hitting the scan button to find. I, mean, I don't think that's going to be what what it is. I think I think you're going to be like I'd like. I think it's going to be more of a thing where it's like I'd like to get up there. Like I want to get up to where that so is. They'll I, clear, so some, they'll make it clear that you need to get up there. And yeah, then, like something I want is up there. That my my you know, my map. I'm looking for this collectible, and the map indicates it's high above me, and I just hit a cliff face. I'm going to scan to see if there's a way a way I can climb up without having to run around looking for like a you know, designated grapple point and yeah. maybe you'll find handhelds instead and it's going to save you a couple minutes. I think that's what that's for. Cause that was a, that was one of the biggest frustrations replaying horizon zero dawn in 2020. Like three oh, Matt, years right later. there in this trailer, it shows the golden gate bridge. You can see it back in the back. Yeah. I know you can't see the B roll, but you can see. So this is set in San Francisco, this demo. Mm. Interesting. Okay. Um, I had not picked up on that when I watched it the first time mm. or the second time for that matter. I did watch this like three times. Um, then there's the pool caster, which is like a grapple hook, or mm-hmm. if you're a big Zelda fan, the hook shot, uh, which helps you traverse more quickly. That seemed to work well. Obviously, we haven't had it in our hands yet to yeah, know how it She feels. needed more traversal options, so that was Agreed. good to see. Yep. And then there's another thing called, and I think I got this right, the shoot wing glider. That was one of the words I couldn't quite understand when he said it. I listened mm. to it three times. And it just seems like every open world game now has to have a glider. We just we just yeah. got it in Biomutant. Now we're getting it here in Horizon Forbidden West. 
Um, it's an easy way to get down from high areas. It makes sense. Just It's one of those little things in Breath of the Wild that I didn't pay much attention to that I'm kind of surprised in hindsight that has been duplicated. But it is an easy way to get around, and it's fun mm-hmm. and exhilarating. So I get why it's appearing in a lot more games now. Yeah, the uh, it was uh, Shield Glider seems to be the name of it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I had um, Shoot Wing Glider for some reason. Uh, it's it's interesting. Like, I saw some. I can't remember who it was, but somebody said like it's funny how like the the biggest influence of Breath of the Wild hasn't really been gameplay systems or breakable weapons or like you know this the world or anything. It's been gliders. It's yeah, been hang gliders. <laughs> like everyone's really got funny. a hang glider now. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, and then the diving mask, which we saw in the very first trailer mm-hmm. for the game, um, that's that's a huge upgrade because once you have it, you can go underwater indefinitely. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing I will I say, have, is, go ahead. I did have a little twinge alert, like, you know, where she's hiding in the reeds underwater from the crocodile thing. I'm like, oh, that could get annoying. Like this yeah. underwater stuff. I'm always a little mm on because I, I, I just like had visions of like hiding in the seaweed. And her accidentally drifting forward because she's underwater. You know, like you push a little this way or that way, and like her foot leaves the yeah. the hide the designated hide section, yeah. and they see you, and all of a sudden a fight starts, and you're screwed. Like I, I had, a, I, I don't know if that's actually going to happen, but I, in my head, my my uh, my aversion to underwater stealth uh, uh, popped up. I also didn't like the context sensitive like push swimming where you have to swim through like really fast current, and it's mm. like a little icon like. I feel like this game, it, look, I'm blown away by it. It looks amazing. But it doesn't have as many quality of life upgrades as I expected. Like, I feel like you should just be able to swim faster to get through the current instead of finding some point that you kind of perch on and then push off of. Going back to the handhold stuff where you have to scan to find it. Like, it just feels like it's still maybe a step behind some of the other open world games that are out there right now in some ways. Uh, and in, that, in those ways, I've been disappointed, but in other ways, I've Maybe, been blown but also away. giving you like mechanics that you have to use to traverse things like that makes it more interesting and involves you more than just being like, ah, oh, just hit the hit the click the left stick and you'll swim through that part. Yeah. It's not actually hard, you know. That is a different perspective for sure. I think that's what they're trying to do. I will see if it's actually successful. Yeah. Um, but I appreciate the I appreciate the idea. I didn't think it worked very well in Biomutant, where like you just randomly hit a part of the lake where it was like, oh, you you need a better uh, motor to to go in this part of the goo for some yeah. reason. We don't, yeah. we don't know why. Just go around. Goes, <laughs> I'm just, okay, I'll just go around and I'll park over here instead, I guess. I don't, okay. Like, yeah, there's you know, kind so of contrivances we'll in games that I would hope a game like this would kind of do away with, but they may find some cool way to, to use it or utilize it that we're just not seeing yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see like what they did in the demo is pretty simple, but I could definitely see a section where like, okay, you got to boost off the thing here, and before the current carries you too far away, you got to do the rope shot to another thing and pull yourself in, yeah. and then you got to like move this way over here. Like that, you could do like a kind of a cool like traversal combo thing with it. Like yeah. once people get used to the used to the mechanics of it, like I, I think that might be where they're going with it. Yep. Um, there's also, and I couldn't understand this word either, Valisurges. You use those to um, upgrade, like, your weapons. They're, like, buffs that you can attach to your weapons. Right, right. Um, I don't know if that I term is right, but it's I what, it's what I, I understood. Understand what he, I didn't understand what he called that either. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, you basically, you have buffs for your weapons, and then there's a weapon wheel to select your weapons from. Um, there's a slingshot that you get that has adhesive grenades. That looked really freaking cool. When she uses it on the boss and he gets all like gummed up and it gives you time to kind of get away and escape. 
Um, just the visuals for that, uh, for the adhesive grenades were real, really freaking cool. I mean, this game is just gorgeous. I mean, mm-hmm. just like the boss fight at the end of the demo, all this is crazy stuff is happening. You have this insanely detailed creature and look at the waves crashing onto the beach while all this is going on also notice i don't know if you notice this but like watch the sand when everybody walks around yeah. like it get, it literally looks real and, and when the mammoth like the like the the, the footsteps and the, and the yeah. it's attacks and stuff like deform the sand yeah it's yeah it's got some next level stuff going on which just makes some of the other stuff stand out maybe a little bit more than it normally would have um, and there's a launcher that fires mm. exploding spikes. There were they showed smoke bombs. Um, you, here's a, the one cool thing I thought was how you can blast weapons off of the machines and then pick them up and use them. Yeah, you could do that in the first one. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're um, right. You could. Yeah, that was my primary way of defeating the the T Rex thing. Yeah, was just blow those disc launchers off right. the side and then. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then the workbench for upgrading your weapons, no surprise there. Um, what's your overarching opinion on this now that we've seen a big chunk of gameplay? Are you as excited for it as you were before? Yeah. I'm yeah, still, me you know, too. I, I feel like they're on the right track. And, I mean, it's kind of what I thought it would be. But, like, that's good. You know, we've been disappointed before. Yeah, not too many um, surprises. No, I mean, I, I, I'm glad they're not re- totally reinventing the wheel. They, they're adding more melee stuff she can do. There's more, you know, because the first game really was just sort of like two, three hit combos. Yeah. You know, there, there wasn't much more. You could hit hard, you could hit light, and that was about it. And this has a lot more to it, um, especially fighting humanoid enemies. It seems like she's got a lot more options, um, which was, you know, again, replaying it last year was interesting because, like you say, there's a bunch of stuff in it that feels ahead of its time or felt ahead of its time and still works. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of elements that, like, feel like they've been surpassed yeah. by other games. And just the cl- it's, it's, it's a weird mix. I still love it. I still love that the original game. But it's, it's, a weird, it's a weird rubbing up against, like, between, like, like really cool, like, forward-thinking ideas and, like, kind of clunky old thinking ideas mm-hmm. and like this feels like it's refining the newer stuff into something different and kind of pairing away the clunky stuff and finding new things to new ways to accomplish what those were doing yeah so i think that's exactly what you need to do in a in a you know in a triple a sequel that is probably not going to be able to reinvent the wheel because you're trying to sell it sell the same game again more or less to people who like the first one but just you know a little better uh it feels like they're doing the right thing here um it looks great and really uh, I'm interested. I'm interested to see what uh, horrible things happen in California to, <laughs> to cause uh, the apocalypse this time. Yeah, I would say um, I, I feel about the same as I did after yeah. watching the debut trailer. I'm not more excited for it, not less excited for it. Um, yeah, I, I feel a little. I feel put at ease. I guess. Yeah, would be the way to say it. They didn't show much of like the hunting and trapping stuff. I'm wondering if mm-hmm. they've decided to cut some of that stuff or. Um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, they could show seem, it later, but I they could show it later. That could be their E three thing. Yeah. Um. You know, I I feel like I feel like you could use the one thing I think uh, I'd be interested to see is um. You know, when I played the game, I obviously I'm a fairly aggressive player in general, but like, I didn't use the traps. I didn't use the trip caster. I didn't use the rope caster. I didn't use any of that stuff. 
uh, except in very extreme situations. I mostly just pulled my strongest arrows out. Uh, well, what I usually would do is I would ambush something. I hit it with the, with the, the, um, whatever the strip arrow was, the thing that blew up to knock parts off them yeah. to try and take out their, their best weapon. And then I'd switch to the hard arrows to like knock off the rest of the parts and then just hit them in the face until they died. Yeah. Like, I think I was, a lot of players are like you, Matt. I, I don't think a lot of people did use the trapping stuff and I only used it for fun. I didn't use it yeah. out of necessity. I used it because yeah, it was just cool to, to and like, it up. Yeah, yeah, it was a fun way to try to mess around with the enemies yeah. and the ecology in the game. Yeah, but I do, I did use all that stuff more in the Frozen Wilds DLC mm. because the enemies in that were way harder. I thought, like, okay. the, like I, you know, I played that first time I played through the game. I must have, I must have played them like eighty or ninety hours, and like. When the Frozen Wilds DLC came out, I started to play that, and I was max level. I had everything. You know, I had done everything. I was. It was just literally the only thing left to do on the map was the new DLC, and I died a few times. I guess the first time I must have died in that game in like forty hours. Like it was. It was. Oh, these guys. You know, they make some die. stuff that, that's designed to like take you out and know what you're dealing with as a maxed out character. Um, so if they can kind of find a way to make me feel like I have to use all my tools. To get through, you know, like I'm like, okay, I'm up against this kind of creature. That means I should bust out the tripcaster and figure out this thing. Like, I would like to see a little more, a little less catering to the way I play. I guess would be how I'd see. You know, like don't don't let me just brute force, brute force my way your through way through it. it. Like, yeah. like make me think about it. Would be my would be my request. And like uh, I, I guess there's some of that. And like when you play in like you know extreme difficulty. But like most people aren't going to do that. Yeah. And yeah, I only did to get the achievement, the, the, to get the trophy. Um, and even then, I didn't feel like I was really having to do a lot of fancy stuff. Yeah. Um, I would like to see some of these, uh, you know, even maybe be, you know, a, a thing where like, the, you know, because usually there's a way to get at the underbelly or something. Like, I'd love to see a thing where it's like, if the only way to hit this thing's weak spot at first is to trip it up. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. you know, they, and they, they, they kind of promoted the first game in that way. Like they yeah, made it they seem like to. you had but to then use eventually it. You learn like, oh, if I just aim it here, yeah. eventually the animation cycle will wiggle, make it wiggle like this and I can hit it from the side. I'd yeah. love to see like, at the very least, like some way, some way, like where a lot of the, the monster, the machine monsters, like you have to use something, some kind of tactic to trip them up, yeah. to, to open them up. And then once you've sort of got them you know, opened up a little bit, you can expose more weak points and just sort of tackle them however you want. Yeah. But I'd love to see a little more, um, forcing me to, to be a little more tactical yeah. about it, Would I guess would be how I'd say it. I agree with that. And then the final note is its release date. So along mm -hmm. with the news about God of War and Gran Turismo today, they also mentioned this game and basically said they're trying real hard to get it done for this year, which mm -hmm. I would say probably puts it at 60-40 that it's going to come out this year. Yeah, I mean, I th it sounds like they, you know, Sony would very much like it to come out this year because we've got a word not making it. Yep. I think that that's their holiday game. Yeah. And they may not have a holiday game if they don't have Horizon. Not that it ever does. Yeah. <laughs> Sony again, is like abandoning the holidays for some right. reason. It's pretty bizarre. Um, yeah, so because clearly they, if they have to delay it, they will because they're not yeah. afraid to, to go into a holiday season without a big first party game. Yeah. Um, obviously, I'd like to play it sooner. I would like it to, I would like my fantasy team to not get another zero. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like if they if they need to do that to make the game better and to not crunch the, the employees, uh, do it. Push it. Yep. Uh, so there you go. That's the latest update on Horizon Forbidden West. As we said, about 60-40 coming out this year. Um, it is a gigantic game. That's a lot to polish, Matt. That 
Yeah. It it could slip, but we'll, well see. It, well, yeah, or they could do what the first one did and just not polish a lot of it. Right. Um, yeah. I still loved it, but there's a lot of floating rocks and trees yeah. in that game. <laughs> it's not, yeah. it wasn't a typical first party PlayStation release no, for PS4. It was kind of part of a transitional period in that yeah. regard. Like, if, yeah. if it was, you know, where like other not, you know, people other than Naughty Dog and Sony Santa Monica were starting to step up and say, we can make these kinds of things too. Yep. And there were, you know, there were some first steps there, but obviously I loved it. I loved it at the time, you know, but replaying it now with after even something like what Days Gone was, like Days Gone has a visual slickness to it that Horizon uh, doesn't always have mm-hmm. being a much, being, a, you know, an older game. Yeah. Do you think we'll see more of it at E3 or do you think this is what they're giving I us? Think we will. I think we'll see some. I don't think we'll see like a big 14 minute chunk like this, but I bet we'll see something. Like a new trailer or something. Maybe we'll, like maybe like a story trailer or something to, to yeah. set the set the tone a little more. Like a character's trailer where they show yeah. the cast of the game, something like that. Um, but anyway, I'm more than happy to get a chunk of this game right now. I really enjoyed yeah. it. Again, I watched it like three times. Um, I watched it on my computer monitor. Then I went out and watched it on my 4K TV to watch it in 4K. Uh, it was quite an event at the Satterfield House. I was very excited for this game, and hopefully you guys are too. And hopefully it does make it out this year. So moving on, as they say, the gaming gods giveth, the gaming gods taketh away. Uh, I lost God of War on my fantasy team for this year. However, just prior to that, I was given a game that I did not think was going to come out this year. Um, and that game is Dying Light 2, and now as a subtitle, Stay Human, and that actually does tie into mm. some elements of the actual game. Uh, right now it has a December 7th release date, Matt. Very tenuous. <laughs> I'm like, a date that will live in infamy. Yeah, I, I'm still not sure that this game's going to make it this year. I would have felt a lot better if the date they gave was like October or November. Um, when it's the 7th of December, you've literally got like a three-week window to make it happen. So I'm not counting my chickens just yet mm-hmm. that this game is actually going to make I mean, it. That's the, I mean, I'm sure they, they are in earnest trying to make that date, but it is worth noting that uh, a release date after Black Friday means you're not losing a whole lot if you push to next year. Yeah, it's true. I know it all too well, man. Um, so we'll see if it actually makes it out this year. Um, but I'll say this. I am glad that now everybody else is kind of starting to see what I saw way back at E3 2019 that, like, blew my doors off. Finally, what they showed this week is what I've been talking about and trying to explain for now the last two years, which just blows my mind. Um, You're finally starting to see what this game is and some of the features of this game that had only really been mentioned beforehand because they put out a trailer at E3 2019, um, but it didn't show a lot of the stuff that they actually showed in the private demos that they were giving for the game that I was lucky enough to check out. Um, But now we have a really good idea of what this game, what's going on in this game. Um, First of all, there's a parachute. Yes, that makes a big difference for this game, man, because even the first game, it had a lot of verticality, but it was always awkward getting back down to the ground in that game. Mm -hmm. It's such a simple addition. But if you played the first Dying Light, you know how much of a difference it's going to make when you're actually playing. And this team was even more needed because the buildings in this are so tall, much taller. Yeah. Like the city in this seems a much more built up. Yeah, environment. Yeah, way more vertical for sure. 
Uh, you play as Aiden Caldwell. He's un- another video game character trying to untangle his messy past. Generic name, generic name. <laughs> trying to untangle his tangled past. Uh, it's set in what what they're calling the last bastion of mankind, or AKA yeah. the modern dark ages is what they're calling yeah, it's, it. It's like 15 years after the first game, I think. Yep. And it's which apparently we did not succeed at yeah. the end of that game. <laughs> Yep, 15 years after the apocalypse, uh, it's a brand new human civilization, but there are a bunch of different factions that make up the new Civ. Um, let's see, you join up with a group called the Night Runners. They're veteran mm-hmm. apocalypse survivors. Um, and then there are three different competing factions in the city. There are the survivors, which who which are like farmers. They're like the people who are growing all the vegetables and the fruits and basically being peaceful as much as they can. Yeah. They're, but they're also fortifiers. Yep, that's right. Um, then there are the peacekeepers. They're typically like soldier, old, former soldiers from the real world, and their their mantra is law and order. And then the final faction is called the Renegades, and they're made up of com- they're comprised of ex prisoners. So I guess when all hell broke loose, the prisoners got out and they all formed mm-hmm. their own group. Um, and then there are also random renegades out in the streets that you have to deal with. Um, and then, like the last game, at nighttime, the rules change. But in this game, they're a lot more drastic. Um, you can see right now in the B-roll that UV lights are a big part of the game. You have to create bases with UV lighting. That will keep the zombies out because the zombies in this game really only go out at night. Um, during mm-hmm. the daytime, you're mostly dealing with the other factions. And then at night, it's the zombies. Um, and so at, at nighttime, you need to carry like a personal UV light with you. And there's actually a little bit of like Alan Wake in this game. Did you notice that, Matt? Where like you're shining the mm-hmm. light on the zombies and they kind of repel away and it gives you a chance to kind of get away from them. But yeah, then also, they, I mean, that, that was in the first game, but not nearly as pronounced. Like, yeah. Like now the bases like the have these huge them. UV lights to keep yeah, them out. Like shining the UV light on them can make them kind of slow down. But like yeah. in this, it looks like it really makes them recoil from you. Yep. Like more visibly. Yep. Um, and so that's a huge part of the game, not just with you personally, but also with the various bases. Some of the bases have gigantic UV lights mm-hmm. to keep the zombies out. Um, yeah, that was always fun in the first one, like luring them towards like near a base or a safe house and like turning all the UV lights on, yeah. kicking them into the spikes and stuff. Like, yeah. I did actually load that up uh, a couple weeks ago when it joined the um, it joined the Xbox, you know, frame rate boost. Oh, club. Yeah. yeah. And so I actually reinstalled that and played it for a while. I guess it's still fun. Like, I will say, like, I bounced off that game the first time until it's, and I tried to replay it. I tried to play it again, like, a couple months later, and I played long enough to get the grappling hook, and then it all clicked. It does change. But, yeah, I do not like would, the parkour in the first one. I thought it was clunky and it hard is a little wrangle. awkward, but once you add that grappling yep. hook, like, it all comes together properly. It I'm does. like, I, I played that game for like 80 hours, and I don't even know why. It's I huge. didn't even finish it. It's a huge game, um, and it just keeps going. I really enjoyed it. And uh, the grappling like, really, I feel like if you'd given me the grappling hook earlier, uh, it would have been a much less tough sell to yep. most people. Yep, it's a huge game, and I think one thing they show with the first game is that you know they're going to support this game for a long, yeah. long time. Oh, yeah. They are still putting yeah. out DLC for the first game. How yeah, many years ago put, was that? Put, like five years ago now? It's uh, crazy. Dying Light? Yeah, at least five years Yeah, ago. so, I mean, if you know that if they're still supporting that game, this one's going to be supported for a long time as well, which when you're going to make a purchase decision, that's a huge bonus for sure. Um and then, again, like the first game, at nighttime, the zombies leave their nests. And that's actually your opportunity to go into their nests and pillage. Um, Iron Light is six and a half years old. Wow. That's amazing. January, 
January 2015. It's amazing the support that they've given that game for this long. Yeah. Uh, but that's a big part of the first game, too, is going into the nest after the zombies go out at night. And obviously it's still dangerous because there's always a few stragglers in there. Um, and it's dangerous getting into them a lot of times because sometimes the zombies may have just left. Um, but you go in there, that's where you get the best loot in the game. So there's a risk-reward quotient, and that's coming back uh, for the next game as well. Um Parkour. And you seem to inject yourself with something. I assume that's going to give you some kind of superpowers or something. Well, there are. Well, you can turn in this game. So stay mm-hmm. human. That the subtitle. That's what it ties into. Uh, maybe it's uh, anti-zombie meds. Uh, that's exactly what it is. So you can turn in this game, and you can become a zombie. Now they haven't really told you, and they didn't tell us in the demo in E3 in 2019 either what happens. Once you do, but you can turn into a zombie in this game. As of right now, it's a mystery what you can or can't do once you do that. Um, But they do show some kind of drug that you can give yourself to keep yourself from turning in this footage that they just released. Um, There's also a rope that you can use. It's kind of like a grapple hook that you can lasso zombies and pull them in for attacks. Mm -hmm. Um, The parkour, I think, looks better. To be honest with it you, does. I haven't played it, but it looks better from what was in the first game, which to me is a big deal because I was not a huge fan of it. But like you said, once you get the grapple, it does kind of change things a lot. Um, and then one thing that they did show us back in 2019 was the fact that the story branches out and goes in different directions. And that was what really made a lasting impression on me because the demo that they showed for that, like it was convincing. It wasn't just like, oh, here's one little element of a conversation that changes. It literally completely changed the entire plot. And they told us at the time, like, most people will probably want to play this three times because the the playthroughs are so drastically different that it's worth to do that. We'll see if that actually ends up being the case. But they did focus on this element of the game a lot in this presentation. Um, and a lot of the branching paths and the things that happen or don't happen it's all tied into how you interact with those three factions that we, we talked about when we first started discussing this. Um, and then the final note is Matt had uh, astutely noticed you can turn into a zombie. And that kind of changes everything. Uh, so the goal is to stay human in this game, along with all the other people who are trying to stay human. Matt, are you more excited or less excited for this now that you've seen this new chunk of uh, preview footage and gameplay? I mean, I would, I would probably say more in part because, you know, at least we know they're still working on it. Um, this game has been a long time coming. It has been. Um, and I, I still I still don't feel fully convinced by the whole, oh, it changes everything thing so much as it feels like you're just picking a branch out of one branch out of three. Um, I'll be interested to see how it handles like mixing and matching. Like yep. if I want this, if I want like this location to be a survivor location because I want it fortified and I want food here, mm-hmm. and then like this other place, I'm like, oh, this is like kind of a hot zone. I think this, I think the peacekeepers would be good here because they'll just fight things all the time and keep it off my back. Like if it's that kind of thing, like I'd be, I'm into that. I, uh, I highly doubt it, Matt. <laughs> no. I really don't think it's gonna happen. No. Uh, and I don't have any insider information or anything. I do have what they talked about in 2019. Uh, but they didn't go into a lot of detail other than showing us kind of two different scenes and how they could play out differently based upon prior decisions right. that you had made. I just feel like that gets really, really complicated. My guess is they're going to force you to ally with one of the groups and, like you said, set you off on that branch. And then if you want to play it again, mm-hmm. 
you can ally with another one of the factions. Yeah, I mean, I imagine that like the factions will have opinions of each other and like, which, you Mm -hmm. know, like imagine like doing stuff for the renegades will piss off the survivors because the renegades probably harass the survivors all the time. Yeah. The peacekeepers probably hate the renegades or the renegades probably hate the peacekeepers because they're the cops to them. Yeah. Uh, That kind of thing. You know, like peacekeepers probably hate the survivors and the renegades (laughs) because one's the prisoners and the others are people that refuse to obey the law and, and join them. Right. Like, so I'm sure like, what you do for another faction will alienate the other faction, yeah. kind of Fallout style. Yeah, so mixing um, and matching them, I don't think it's going to work. It would also make the game so complicated to develop. Mm-hmm. Like, it may never come out if that were the case. Maybe someday we'll get a game like that. I don't think this is it, though. Um, still, though, having three different branching paths that you can go down throughout the course of playing the campaign, that's pretty damn good. We don't get that much these days. Uh, yeah, the other question is, like, how long and how big is it? Because... I would certainly not want to play Dying Light 1 three times. Right, yeah. And look, there are some elements that are going to be the same, you know, no matter what you do in each of your playthroughs, for sure. You're still probably going to unlock stuff in the same order and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So there are there will be some sort of hangovers. Yeah, of and I wonder if there'll be, like, way. specific upgrades you can only get for one faction. Right. You know, like, I would, I would guess that, like, you'll get more survival items and kind of crafting stuff from the survivors and you'll get more like weaponry and armor from the peacekeepers. And I don't know what the renegade, I guess the renegades would probably give you like, like more money, maybe supplies or something. Like, I don't know. Uh, not game- sure with the renegades. Maybe with the renegades, you, you learn to pick people's pockets or something. <laughs> I don't know. Game is looking good. I wouldn't say great. Yeah. Um, it doesn't particularly look like a next gen game to me, but it doesn't look like it's from last gen either. It's another no. one of those fence sitters. I think it'll just have visual bells and whistles on the new systems and new cards. Yeah. And it'll be fine. Yeah. But it looks good enough, uh, is what I was yeah. getting at. It's not like I, I look at it, it looks like, better oh, than the last one. It That's does. All I really Absolutely. Ask. Without a doubt. Um, so, yeah, let's see. The release date for that is the 7th, as we said. So that's not coming out till the end of the year if it does come out at all. I am mm-hmm. nervous about it making it making it out this year. We'll see. It's going to be a hard one to sneak into the game of the year conversation. We can do it. Um, it won't happen yeah. with, like, a lot of the other awards. Yeah, like game awards and stuff, that won't be in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. but we'll be able to include it, um, which is nice. <laughs> it's nice to be able to we're just to, do things the make, way you want to do them. <laughs> we have to make sure we pick different factions. Yeah, when we play through it, for sure. Yeah, yeah we'll do that to make sure we have a well-rounded discussion. Um, I would be surprised either if a demo for this game comes out here in the next couple months and we get a chance to sample mm. it beforehand. Um, but it is rounding into shape. It looks pretty darn good and pretty darn compelling. That would compelling. be a compelling you know, demo where you get to pick a, make like one decision and then you can play it again and see what would be different if you did it differently that yeah. like is noticeable. Like basically like what they showed a, us at E3 2019. Yeah, like that would be a pretty good convincing tool. Good way to sell it, for sure. Uh, so anyway, that's Dying Light 2. It's coming to everything but Switch. I think it's even coming to Stadia. Uh, I think it was announced for Stadia. Mm-hmm. So um, again, December 7th, 2021, may or may not make it out this year. All right, we've been complaining here and there about publishers not celebrating anniversaries like they should. In fact, the newest episode of Pactor Factor, or one of the newest episodes of Pactor Factor, is all about Metroid and how Nintendo has basically forsaken Metroid. Uh, that episode just went up on YouTube and has a lot of interesting comments from people, most of which seem to just go back to the idea that Metroid doesn't sell as well as the other IP, and that's why Nintendo doesn't give a crap about it and just kind of treats it like a third 
I don't know, like a second-class citizen in a lot of ways mm-hmm. compared to its other IP. We're still waiting on any sort of celebration for Metroid for its 35th anniversary, which is yeah. happening right but now. It, but it's still kind of funny how, like, Nintendo can be that mercenary about stuff like that, but if the other companies get called out for not making things that people want sequels to, even though they didn't sell well, it's yeah. like... Yeah, like, that's not too far off EA's theory of business right there. Like, Met- I mean, Metroid still sells, like, several million copies. It just yeah. doesn't sell... You know, Zelda, Mario, Splatoon numbers. And I mean, few franchises do. Let's just be honest about it. Um, And I had a discussion with someone on Twitter about this. um, And he was saying, you know, if you put together Metroid Prime's sales combined across all three games, they're like eight or nine million sold between the three games. But you also have to keep in mind that the first two games were on GameCube. That only yeah. ever got to 20 million installed base. Think about that. Yeah. 20 like million. The first, the first Metroid Prime, Metroid Prime 1, I think, sold for like its first holiday season of like 600,000 copies. And that was really good for the game. It too. was huge penetration for the install base, for sure. Yeah. And then Metroid Prime 3 came out for Wii, but it came out in the first year of the Wii's life cycle. So I'm guessing that install base was also around 25 or 30, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly, in the first and year. And the Wii had a real attach rate problem. Yeah. And. Hardly I mean, any game sold well. Million Wii, at one point, they, you know, they had 110 million Wii's out there. I think when Mario Galaxy came out, Mario Galaxy only sold 10 million copies. Yeah, and then Metroid is targeted at a somewhat older audience from typical Nintendo fans. Yeah. All those people who played the Prime games back on GameCube and the Wii, they're all older now, and they're looking for games like that. So I don't necessarily think that what's happened with Metroid in the past is going to parlay into sales of Metroid Prime Four. I just don't. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how that plays out, but. One publisher that is not shying away from celebrating one of its biggest IP is Sega. And this, it's, what is it, the 35th for Sonic? Is that what the anniversary is, Matt? Uh, no, I think it's uh, 91. 91, so it would be 30th. 30th. So it's the 30th anniversary of Sonic the Hedgehog. Sega's doing it right. <laughs> Unlike yeah. a lot of other publishers, this week Sega announced three new projects related to Sonic that are, two of them are coming out this year. One of them probably coming out next year. At least they're saying 2022. Yeah. Um, the biggest one that I think most people are going to care about is a brand new 3D Sonic was announced. They haven't called it Sonic Adventure or anything. It's just Sonic 2022 mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the teaser is literally like 18 seconds long. <laughs> they didn't. Barely, you don't even really see him. Yeah. You you see his feet. Yeah, and then, he did, however, he looked a little like the young Sonic uh, from the movie, though. I, th- I feel like this is going to be rooted in the movie somehow. What is the logo that appears at the end? So he, like, I, w- I wasn't sure what that was. Yeah, he like flies through the woods, and then the trail that yeah. he leaves turns into some kind of a logo. I didn't know what that was. I was like, huh? yeah, I'm not sure what that was. Maybe someone in chat knows. I don't. What I don't it know is. deep Sonic lore. Yeah. Wow, chat's rocking today. You guys are chatting it up. If anyone knows what that logo is, let us know. Um, and we'll get it into the show. Um, but so they show 18 seconds of it. The the rumors have been floating around since this was debuted that it's going to be Breath of the Wild for Sonic. It's going to be like mm-hmm. an open world Sonic game. How does yeah, well, that you, work, Matt? Uh, <laughs> my theory would be that it doesn't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it is interesting to see how much of this presentation was so strongly Nintendo Direct influenced. Yeah. Um, like right down to the the playful banter between the game company executives kind yeah. of thing. Um, Following the blueprint. 
Yeah, I mean, a, a blue, blue print. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean, it, it works for Nintendo. I don't know how well it's going to translate here, but like, they did at least have a bunch of stuff to show. Yeah. Um, I will say if I go to a hospital and the staff is dressed like the Sonic characters, I am turning around and leaving. <laughs> like I'm not, I am not being treated by anyone dressed as Tails. Yeah. It's not going to happen. I mean, one thing um, about an open world Sonic game is you wouldn't need mounts and you probably wouldn't need as many fast travel points. Yeah, I mean, you would you would definitely be able, and you could definitely do fast travel with like some kind of emerald teleport or something, you know, chaos yeah. control your way over there. Um, I just yeah, don't know how don't he know. works in an open world game. Like he works in like a very controlled environment. Mm-hmm. It seems like the more agency you give to players in Sonic games, the worse it the worse it yeah. turns I mean, out. I don't know, like the you know, I think the Sonic Adventure model uh, works. Uh, in terms of a kind of a more open overworld and then you go into specific levels and do like very handcrafted things. Um, I feel like that is a model that more or less figured itself out by Sonic Adventure 2. Uh, certainly they they learn some things like they don't make you fish for six of the game <laughs> in the second one. Yeah. Um, they added uh, Shadow so you had double the, the Sonic style levels. Um, like I don't, I don't hate that idea. Um, I don't know, but the, at the same time, like one of the other things they announced was uh, the one, the one thing that's coming this year is Sonic Colors Ultimate. Yep. Um, which is a, re- a remake of uh, Sonic Colors from the Wii, which is great because Sonic Colors is like the other good Sonic game of this century. Um, basically, for me, it's this and Sonic Generations are the are the two good ones after uh, after Sonic Adventure Two. Um, so this, this, I was glad to see that them, them going back to Sonic Colors. I don't think I'll probably watch the, uh, animated series. <laughs> yeah. Sonic Colors is really the last decent 3d Sonic game. Yeah. So they chose the right one to remaster. They're not really remaking it. Are they? They're just remastering it. Right? Uh, there's new stuff in it. So it's there? kind of a little, it seems like kind of, I, I couldn't tell really one way or the other, uh, how much like had been remade from the ground up or if it was just like, you know, upped in quality. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure we'll find out more later, but they're going, you know, they're, they're doing it up. It definitely doesn't look like a Wii game anymore. No. Yeah. They, so, it appears that they've done a really good job with the work that they've like, done. Like my guess it. is that they did have to kind of remake it from the ground up. Cause I feel like, like you can only up res so much. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they may have like had they to rebuild have, everything. Yeah, they must have had to at least rebuild the character models. And they chose the right game to do it. So Yeah, yeah, Sonic Colors is great. Yep, they chose wisely there. And then the final announcement was Sonic Origins Collection, which had been, the rumors have been mm-hmm. banging around for a yeah, while. Been, yeah, people have been chatting about that for a couple months. Yep, and that includes Sonic 1, 2, 3, and Knuckles, plus Sonic CD. That's pretty awesome. Oh, she also mentioned... Uh, the Sonic Colors remake remaster launches on September seventh. So September seventh for that. Yeah. That's coming out this year. Um, and then one kind of big note, just across the board, is that the original voice actor for Sonic is coming back mm-hmm. out of nowhere. That seemed to just to be announced. Um, yeah, he he announced that on his Twitter a few days ago. I think. Yeah. Um, just before um, all this stuff was announced. Yeah, he basically he, he gave credit to the fans mostly. So I think maybe Sega was deciding to go a different direction and the fan outcry was big enough that they decided to go back to Roger Craig Smith. Yeah, not that Sonic says a whole lot, but well, now that he's in movies, he kind of has to, I, I guess. I mean, he so. does say say a fair amount in like the, I mean, he, he did stuff in animation and, and everything. Like it wasn't a coincidence that, you know, his section of the presentation was to talk about the Sonic Colors animated spinoff. Yeah. Because uh, he's obviously doing a lot more work in that than right. in the game. Yep. Um, 
Which is good. I mean, I don't really have a lot of opinions about Sonic's voice, uh, but he seems to be fine. At yeah. It, it seems like to be the film ones, has revived Sega's perspective on Sonic. And I'll say yeah, this. I think, I think so. The um, film also, all my nephews now love Sonic. All mm-hmm. of them. Like for this last Christmas, I got two of my nephews Sonic Nightlights that are really mm-hmm. freaking cool. I almost wish I had one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and we got the, the next one's coming next year, I think. Yeah. Um, which is why, actually why I think that Origins Collection is next year. Okay. Because I don't think they, they said, did announce a release date for that, honestly. They said next year. Oh, but they, they did. didn't say anything more specific. I somehow. Okay. But they did say it's next year. And I'm like, why would you need to wait till next year to release a collection of five ancient games? I'm like, oh, because you want to put it alongside the movie. Well, I think that might be the plan for the new 3D Sonic game. I think that's all wrapped up in this, in that, yeah. Um, I will, should say this, too. Like Some rumblings on the internet are that the early testing for the open-world Sonic Adventure game was not good, that most of the people who played it were like, this is not a good game. So uh, we'll see. I still struggle to see how you make Sonic in an open-world work because all I can think about is how hard it has traditionally been to control him when you need to be precise. Mm-hmm. It's fine when you just point him in a direction and you just tell him to run. When you're trying to, like, stop, turn around, jump on a very small plat, any of that kind of stuff with Sonic is very hard. Yeah. And- or even just maneuver around. Like, yeah, how annoying was it in, like, the Sonic Adventure games? You'd be running along a thing, and then you just, like, whack into an NPC. Yeah. And just, like, have to, you come to a complete stop and yep. have to start over again. Like, it wasn't enjoyable. Oh, like, yeah. it was... It, it felt like it was still searching to find out what it needed to be, and they never quite got there. This feels like um, a game that's tracking to get an announcement next year that, you know what, we've just started it all over again, and yeah, now I, it's coming in 2024. Like, I mean, we should have learned our lesson about naming Sonic games after the year they're supposed to come yes, out. Yes, yes, after the 2006 debacle. Yeah, since 16, six, uh, 16 years later, you're gonna do, are you going to do that again? I, I think know. they'll call this Sonic Adventure 3, though. Oh yeah, they'll, they'll call it something else. I mean, you can't so you go, know like, that it's a 3D game, and you can't do the. I don't think they'll call it Sonic Adventure 3D or three, but I think they'll call it something else. They're not going to not like the 2006 one. They just call it Sonic the Hedgehog, like they were starting the, the, the franchise over. Yeah. I think it'll be something else. I don't know what. Talk about kicking things off on the wrong foot. That reboot. Whee! Yeah, that is. I mean, there. I mean, obviously, that is one of the greatest missteps in the history of uh, <laughs> high-profile video game production but like and yet there's someone who gave it like a perfect score oh halverson oh yeah, yeah. halverson and play magazine gave it a 9.5 <laughs> out of 10 yeah. and then like a month later he issued like a retraction thing where he's like oh some of the stuff they said they were going to fix they didn't fix so i'm going to drop that to an 8.5 <laughs> and i'm like okay still not in the realm of reason but okay I, I had a very high tolerance for sonic bullshit back when that came out and i could not get more through more than an hour or so of it like I'm not gonna. I had to sit through like a 10 second loading screen for the next line of text dialogue from NPC. I was, yeah. There were. It was just like a constant, explicable rush of nonsense. It was. I. It was amazing. Yep. Um, so anyway, those are the updates from Sonic's 30th anniversary. At least they're getting something out this year to celebrate. But the other two games yeah. are actually not coming out during the anniversary. Yeah. I mean, the main thing is like you get a bunch of add-ons for the Tokyo 2020 game yeah that's the, right yeah there's like a sonic hospital costume. and there's a bunch of stuff for the the mobile game and the apple apple arcade games getting yeah. apple arcades getting some of the older like the sonic racing stuff and oh and uh was it last judgment is gonna have sonic the fighters in it as a playable arcade game <laughs> 
which yeah. is uh, okay. Yeah, but at least they're doing something, Matt. Yeah, it's, it's they're acknowledging it. They did it. They did a thing about it. Like, and there's they re- lots of products coming around Sonic. They remembered that. Uh, I mean, if if Samus had had a, a hit movie last year, that probably would have helped. I admit, but yeah, whatever. Yep, it is what it is. And then, as you said, another film supposedly coming next year, provided uh, production didn't get gummed up from COVID yeah. or whatever. I mean, they're yeah. shooting it now. Like, there's you've been set photos and stuff, and they've seen you've seen uh, they've seen Knuckles and Tails and uh, uh, hints that Chaos Emeralds are involved. Um, it looks like they're going. They're doing the Sonic thing. Yeah. Like they're, they're can't show this. you any trailers for that because we will get copyright strikes. Yeah. <laughs> so unfortunately, but, uh, yeah. But uh, we'll see. they're do doing think... it. They're doing a real anniversary <laughs> celebration for Sonic, and they mm. should because, he, like it or not, he is still one of Sega's biggest IP. Oh yeah, so. and I do. I do think that uh, uh, of Nintendo's properties, Metroid has one of the best movie potentials. Agreed. Yeah, um, you could do a really cool Metroid movie. Yeah, but they'll do something that makes no sense at all, like Mario, before they ever do Metroid. Oh, they already tried that. Well, yeah, like, they'll I try mean, that again the, though uh, before they do a Metroid movie. I guarantee. Oh, they it. are. They're doing that. Was it the people? I think Illuminations is doing the Mario movie, the CG Mario movie. Yeah. Um, the the Minions people. Right. Yeah. Which is why, which is why the Nintendo stuff is at the Universal Studios theme parks. It's better than live action. I'll say that. Like yeah, they need to I go mean, the that, animated route with Mario. Although you dig up that uh, you know that, that uh, uh, YouTube series, what happened with uh, Matt McMuscles? Um, he has a really good episode on the Super Mario Brothers movie. Uh, if you if you look that up, okay, it's uh, it's a it's a long and winding journey that that film. Okay, uh, let's move on. We're going to talk next about the Switch Pro. We mentioned a little earlier in the show when we were talking about Nintendo's E3 press event that's coming up on the fifteenth. Um, and it's only 40 minutes long. This week, Bloomberg just poured more gas on the fire. And not only is an upgraded Switch coming, Bloomberg is saying it's coming, like, real soon. Like, could release in, like, early September soon. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some rumblings that it may actually be shown before E3, like, on Friday. They may do, like, a separate event just for the upgraded Switch model. You think that's going to happen, or do you think they save that for their big E3 Direct, Matt? Um, I mean, I don't think this thing's going to be all that impressive. I think it's going to be a slight upgrade in the way of, you know, whether they do like the new 3DS kind of thing. Um, I don't think it's nothing that's going to set the world on fire. It's going to be good for people who don't have one already or like are thinking, you know, or maybe like someone like me, if it runs stuff better in dock mode, uh, would be tempting. But like, it's I just, mean, that's you know, it's, what that's what they're saying. Is it yeah, running in dock mode? Like, it'll be running in 4K. Right. But it's not OK. But it's, but it's not like. I do not expect this to, you know, it's not like you're, you're getting the Xbox Series X version of the Switch here. Like, this, despite what I've seen some people speculating that, like, the new, you know, the new tech in it is going to make it just as powerful as a PS5. Like, that's complete nonsense. Oh, no, no like, way. Like, I don't think I don't think anyone really legitimately expects that. Uh, there's a bunch of people that do. <laughs> and they are going to be very disappointed. Um, it's, um, they're saying it's going to have USB-C. Mm-hmm. Um, ports and I think did the Bloomberg article say that that's how they're going to send the 4K signal to the TV or something? 
That's an interesting trick because I don't have a USB-C port on my 4K TV. Yeah, I don't either. Right? Yeah, I, I may have that wrong, actually. That may not be the case. But I, I thought they were doing something different with USB-C. I mean, the, the current Switch has USB-C. It um, does, but I think they're doing yeah. something different with it on this new model. Mm. Um, I should have written it down. But I have five pages of notes for today's episode, and apparently that wasn't enough for all the topics mm. that we're discussing. Um, I mean, I Matt, I do think it will be a big difference. Um, I think Nintendo may struggle to show what that big difference is um, unless it's, it's prepared to do some kind of comparison. Um, because if, you're, if your big thing is like, well, look, here's Super Mario Odyssey running on the old Switch. Now, here it is on the new Switch. It's the same game, but running in 4K that kind of stuff doesn't sell in YouTube videos. Like it just no. That's a hard. That's a hard pitch on a stream. Yeah, sure. And just by the nature of the tech. Yeah, it, it's got to be something more than just all those games you were playing in 1080p. Now you can play them in 4K because they're not going to go back mm. and retouch the games. Um, God knows how long they've been developing with this new Although model Microsoft in mind. Did. Yeah, yeah, it did. Um, and and PlayStation has. But do you think Nintendo will do that? I do not. No, probably it would be out of character. Yeah, for them to actually put money and time and effort into these things. I mean, we've seen what the Super Nintendo and NES, you know, Nintendo uh, Switch Online stuff turned into. Now, do I think that maybe Metroid Prime Four has been developed from the beginning with 4K in mind? I could believe that. Maybe. Do they I? Started, they restarted it late enough. Right. Do I believe that maybe they show the first trailer for Metroid Prime Four to promote the new Switch? Maybe. I think that could absolutely happen. Seems optimistic, but I guess yeah. I haven't, they haven't mentioned that game in a very long time. But it would be a great gateway to get people on board with the new Switch, particularly the core, who is go- who they're going to need to adopt this early. Because, mm-hmm. Matt, the, you, can't buy, you still can't buy a GPU. You still can't buy a PS5. You still can't buy an Xbox Series console. Now, look, Switch does use components that aren't as in demand as a lot of other parts that are using other platforms, and I'm guessing the new Switch will probably follow in that vein as well. That might help them a little, but my guess is, best case scenario, if it does come out this year, you'll be lucky if there are 2 million units out by the end of the year. Like, I just, mm. do, I struggle to see them filling the, the retail channels with tons of Switch Pros. I just do. Um, and I think it's going to be hard to find, and I think you're going to have to rely on the otaku to be dedicated enough to get them and then go out and be evan- you know, evangelize the new hardware to get other people on board with it. Uh, meanwhile, you, you have to realize that the old Switch model, which I'm guessing will be di- discontinued, is going to sell like crazy over the holiday. They're going to sell you know, another $10 million over the, next, you know, the last three months of the year. So you're going to have... 10 million people buying this old hardware while this new hardware is actually available. It it's crazy. It'll it'll be interesting to see how Nintendo handles all this stuff. And again, if they have a killer app to convince people to not buy the old Switch and buy the new Switch instead or try to buy the new Switch instead. And you're talking I mean, about I Christmas. don't think they're going to do a thing like with the new 3DS where stuff only works on the new Switch. Not yeah, yet. me either. That would be suicide. Um, yeah. I I, I Definitely agree that that's the case. And then the other question becomes, does the Switch Lite stay the same? Or mm-hmm. do they bump up, like, do they release a new Switch Lite model that is a little more powerful than... Yeah, I mean, my guess would be that they... I mean, my guess would be that the Switch Lite stays the same and this new thing replaces the Switch. Yep, that would be my guess, too. 
Um, to them, they're probably like, you know what? Maybe they put the new screen on the Switch Lite. Yeah, I could see eventually like a, a, a Switch Lite XD or something kind of thing. Where it gets the OLED. Just, maybe and... it just replaces the screen and don't don't call it anything new or something, you mm-hmm. know, or change the color to differentiate or something. I don't know. But like, you know, like most of what the improvements they're talking about for this new model, like seem to really rely, really uh, lean on docked mode. Yep. Um, and uh, like, I feel like the Switch Lite already does its job pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, so what happens in Q4, Matt? If people can't find a PS5, they can't find an Xbox Series X, I'm guessing they'll be able to find an S no problem by the holidays, and you can't find the new Switch, what happens? Does the old Switch dominate the holiday season? I don't think so. No? Most people have one already. Um, I, I think you just wait, or you you pay secondary market prices. Like, yeah. You, there, there's no substitute there. Like, there's, you know, if you want a PS5, you're not going to settle for a Switch. Like, especially not now. If the Switch was also new, you know, only like a year old, that might be different. But we also have to see what their holiday lineup looks like. Right now, I, it's just a giant blank space. Yeah. So well, I don't believe for one second Breath of the Wild 2 is going to make it this year. Because So imagine if we already know God of War is not going to make it. Um, imagine mm-hmm. if Horizon Forbidden West doesn't make it for Q4, and there's no overwhelming reason to try to kill yourself trying to score a PS5. Does that turn everybody towards the new Switch and suddenly, I mean, could it turn could this turn the tide on what's happening with PS5 right now? Where no. as soon as they, no, okay. No. Um, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I think Switch already has the momentum and I don't think PS5 and Switch really interfere with each other in that regard much. Yeah. I mean, um, I'd agree PS5, PS5 sales being on fire for what they are as, you know, as soon as they can put the units out. Uh, has not slowed Switch sales. Uh, Switch sales have not diminished demand for PS5. Like I think they're they're independent things. Um, if any of them has to worry about you know not want somebody not wanting to double dip on something, it's got to be Microsoft. I am starting to worry though because if you look at the PlayStation Five, it kind of front loaded a lot of the exclusives for the console to the mm-hmm. launch period. And then we're counting on stuff like Horizon and God of War to kind of fill in those gaps. Obviously, we're getting Ratchet here shortly, uh, which is going to be a huge, huge release for PlayStation 5. But after that, if you don't have a big Q4 game, I don't know. I mean... I do, because uh, if you haven't gotten a PS5 yet, you still haven't played any of those games. Yeah. So, like, uh, the, the demand for this thing has not cooled, even though, frankly, the spring has not been that impressive outside of Returnal. Um like people want this thing and now it's got the desirability of this thing. No one's been able to get their hands on for half a year. Yeah. So I think that'll carry it easily through the end of the year. Even if the only thing you're really going to be playing on is call of duty and whatever Ubisoft's putting out. Um, sometimes that's all people want anyway, you know, no Assassin's um, Creed this year though. Right? No, I don't know what you, if you, I mean, I guess far cry is Ubi's big thing this year. Mm-hmm. Um, which okay, fine. Yeah. Um, it doesn't yeah, sell guess, as well as Assassin's Creed, though. No, it's no Assassin's Creed, but it's uh, it'll it'll do. Um, and it's got some star power this time with yeah. uh, Espos- uh, you know Giancarlo Esposito in it and stuff. Yep. Um, because, but those are really the only two big titles we know are going to make it this year. Really, is uh, you know that and whatever Call of Duty ends up being. Yep. Uh, if there's another one, I can't then I can't think of it. I can't either. We, obviously, we hope Horizon makes it. We hope Dying Light Two makes it. Yeah. Um, 
but uh, you know there could be stuff we don't know about Nintendo. You know, I don't think Breath of the Wild two will make it, but it's absolutely no reason you know they wouldn't have some other stuff up their sleeve that we don't know about yet. Yeah. Um, I just think it could time, get. I just think it could get for, uh, The Mario Odyssey team to have something to, something to show, and that could be that Donkey Kong game. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, I think it could get interesting though. Because now you're going to have three platforms vying for people to buy them. They're also saying that mm-hmm. uh, the new Switch is going to be more expensive, at least 400 bucks. Um, it would be That's wise for them to sell them for less than the PS5, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah, probably. Um, 100 bucks more for a PS5 becomes a very different proposition if a PS5 is available. Yep. That's basically the, th- the thing there. Yeah, that's the X factor but, for sure. But as we know, that may not be a problem, you know, if, if things continue the way they have been. Yeah. Yep. Um, I don't know. Maybe by the end of the year, the component shortage isn't as bad as it's been, and they can make more PS5s and more Xbox Series consoles. We'll see. Of course, we all know that the actual dominant force of this holiday season is going to be Grand Theft Auto Five. Yeah. Well, yeah, it'll be the software that sells the most for sure. Everyone who gets a next-gen console is probably yeah. going to buy. Which is not on Switch. Yeah, that's true. Yep, They haven't figured out how to stream that game on Switch yet, which they should be trying yeah. to figure out. I'm, I bet, I'm, they're try- I'm sure they are trying. Yeah. Like that, that would be their, that's their next influx of cash for yeah. sure. I mean, if they could get Assassin's Creed Odyssey to stream on it, you know, they should have mm-hmm. targeted mm-hmm. GTA next. But uh, doesn't appear to be in the cards. Yeah. So. God, looking at the, the the Q4 like release thing, like there's nothing. I know. They, I mean, Nintendo's got Pokemon, the the, the Diamond and Pearl. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got the Final Fantasy 14 expansion. Get GTA. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Mario Kart 9 comes out this holiday season. Yeah, Far Cry 6, Back for Blood, and that's about it. I mean, I guess Ghostwire Tokyo, if you want to call that a. Yeah, I don't know about that. But, you know, Mario Kart is Nintendo's best-selling franchise. And it has milked Mario Kart 8 as much as it possibly can. Um, There has been plenty of time for that team to create a new Mario Kart game. I would not be surprised if we see it in the Nintendo Direct for E3 and it comes out for this holiday. We'll see. Um, I think it's a pretty safe bet, to be honest with you, though. Um, there's just too much money sitting on the table with that franchise for Nintendo to just keep neglecting it. And granted, mm-hmm. Mario Kart 8 does keep on selling, uh, but imagine all the people who have already bought Mario Kart 8 will also buy Mario Kart 9 in addition to all yeah. the people who are buying Switch getting it. I mean, that Switch. would be a pretty solid uh, hype builder to launch alongside the new Switch. Yep. Yeah, imagine that. Imagine if it's 4K as well, which could very yeah. well be the case. So. Interesting stuff, and it's we're gonna see we're gonna see how it all plays out in just like twelve days. It's very exciting mm. to know that all this news is gonna be coming, or really sooner soon. if the rumors are to be believed. It's true. Yep. Uh, so anyway, that's the latest updates again from Bloomberg. Thanks Bloomberg for providing yet another topic that we can discuss on Game Face. Uh, but the reason we bring that up, other than giving credit to the original person who reported on the story, is <clears throat> sorry is that uh, Bloomberg is very reliable. So when you hear stuff from Mm -hmm. them, it's a lot different than like, hey, here's this guy who predicted something three years ago on Twitter, and now he's saying something else. This is Bloomberg. Uh, And their reporting is reliable. And so don't be surprised if even maybe on Friday we get like a director or something like that, or they work with an outlet partner to show off the new Switch hardware. Like Digital Foundry seems to be getting in on that stuff now. Like they did a bunch of stuff for Xbox Series. 
um, exclusively. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe some publication gets in and does something like that with Nintendo. We'll see. Um, but I think worst case scenario on the 15th of June, uh, we will know what's going on with the upgraded Switch. So not much longer to wait. Next up, we're going to talk about Earth Defense Force. I don't think we've – I know – before I came in today, I thought we had never really talked about Earth Defense Force on Game oh, Base. Yeah. But we have. Not this one. Not this but one. But other ones. But other ones because I found the B-roll sitting on the hard drive, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah I guess we did discuss this in the past. Um, definitely talked about five, I think. Yep. What is that called? Like Iron, Iron Rain? No, we talked about Iron Rain. Yeah, that's the one the, that we they, talked the about. The Western developed one. Yep. Um, well, the new one is is called Earth Defense Force World Brothers, and it is developed by Ukes. Remember Ukes? Yeah. They used to make this, the this WWE one, I say this game. one's kind of old. What but is it's, old? Oh, it's, just, it's just finally coming here. World Brothers is old? World Brothers. I thought it was like a couple of years ago that it came oh, out in Japan. No, 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 uh-uh. No, it's a new game. Um, it may have come out a little bit earlier in Japan, but it hasn't been it out for like It's like a years. cute one, right? Yeah, well, it's, yeah, like voxels and... Yes, it's a complete departure mm. for the Earth, which is a big reason why we're talking about it. Because I think a lot it of it came people, out in December in Japan. It's not yeah. that, but it just, it just feels long ago because the world is weird. Yep, <laughs> time is hard to gauge anymore. That's for sure. I agree with that. Uh, this is a huge departure for the Earth Defense Force franchise. Mm-hmm. You guys are probably familiar with it. It is a an endless bug blasting game. Um, you play as the humans defending Earth against an invasion of insect aliens from some other dimension. Uh, and the basic premise for this doesn't change that much. This time, Ravagers. Yeah, exactly. This time, they've actually blown up Earth. <laughs> and, it's, and it's in like a bunch of different pieces. And the plot of this game is you're supposed to be like putting Earth back together. You're defeating the aliens and you're reassembling Earth via voxels. But the plot just kind of disappears. Like there's this opening cinema where they show the Earth being blown up. And then, like, there aren't really any cutscenes in the rest of the game that advance it. Like, there are, like, little vocal snippets that you get throughout the course of playing it where they kind of reference the stuff, but there aren't, like, cutscenes where they're, like, reattaching, like, South Africa and stuff like that, which I really hoped was going to be the case, Matt. I was like, if you're going to mm. go for an absurd plot, just take it all the way, please. Uh, and they have not done that. Um, it is, like, other Earth Defense Force games, a cooperative game. So if you play by yourself, you have three other team members on your team with you. But not only that, if you play with other people cooperatively online, every person that plays has that four-person team. So if you're playing with, like, three other characters, you have 12 characters that you're kind of controlling while you play. Um, And you can swap through any of the characters at any time. Uh, You just tap the D-pad in whatever direction uh, the characters are set up in your controls, um, and you automatically swap to that person. Now, each character is different, but each character is also very, very simple. They all have one weapon, one ability, and one super. And sometimes the one ability is like the ability to jump. So it it's a little bit like uh, Balan Wonderworld in that way, Matt, where you get some characters that just feel completely inept and pointless. Um, and some characters where you can't jump at all, so it makes traversal like a huge pain in the butt. Now, the supers are pretty fun and pretty interesting, and they are different for each one. Uh, the environments are destructible, but only certain characters, like characters with rocket launchers, can actually blow stuff up. And it is kind of a big deal because you can find hidden stuff inside buildings after you destroy them. So after every match and during every match, you find characters just laying around downed. 
you revive them, and then when you complete that mission, they are added to your potential team. I played this game for three hours, something like that, and I feel like I almost completed the game, first of all. Second of all, each mission, you can find anywhere from like three to five characters to add to the repertoire. Um, By the time you finish like four missions, there are so many characters to choose from, and not all of them are unique. Um, Once you get to the point where you have a character that uses every weapon, there's very little point to have any of the other ones. Um, But before each mission, you choose your four different characters you want to go with you, and it's kind of important to make sure you pick a well-rounded team, but only if you're playing on the harder difficulty settings. Probably the biggest thing about this game is it is kind of made for kids. Um, Would you say other Earth Defense Force games were okay for kids to play? Um, I, I mean, guess. most of them, I would say, yeah. like, you're shooting, you're shooting bugs. And I guess like little, you know, like green blood comes out of them or whatever, but yeah. like most of it's just like, you know, they, the, they bounce, they don't even, there's no gore when they die outside of like iron rain has a lot more blood in it. But like the normal, the normal ones, like just, you kill the, the corpse just bounces around like a ball. Like really it's, mm-hmm. it's just chaos. Um, the bigger problem is probably like, uh, I don't know. Sometimes, like the, especially in the later games, uh, the, the the soldiers get a little salty uh, in the language department. Yeah, for no apparent They've reason. They definitely toned that down for this, for sure. Yeah, uh, and but, there are uh, no, five. I, I've never found them to be like you know hard M ratings or anything. No, 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 no. no. But like, if you have like a six year old kid, like there's a couple of those releases that where I may have thought twice about letting them play. Maybe. I mean, I, I would have loved it as a six year old, but I watched those stupid, you know, I watched the 50 sci-fi movies that this, this, that this game is based on mm-hmm. all the time. You know, I, I was like, Oh, them, except I can shoot them. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd have been into it. Um, yeah. You, you know, you gotta make a decision on a child by child basis. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I would feel my, my friend has a co- has, my friend has a has a nephew who who uh, he loves like you know lots of old cartoons and stuff, but he thinks Wolverine is too scary. Oh, okay. He's afraid of, afraid of Wolverine. Well, I would recommend this to all kids. There's nothing in this game that's offensive or violent or controversial. It's just EDF with voxels. That's pretty much what mm-hmm. you get with four with four player co op. You can also play Earth locally. Minecraft Force. Yeah. You can also play locally on Switch, local multiplayer. If you don't have mm. Nintendo Online and you just want to play along with your kids, you can do that. Um, I do feel like the game has lost a little bit of its charm. I don't know if that's Ukes or D3 mandating to Ukes to change certain things about it, but I didn't find myself laughing at this game as much as I do most EDF games. And look, mm. a lot of the time... It's unintentional comedy because these games yeah. typically have been from really bad developers and they're just kind of, I don't know. It feels like they're snapped together with like Elmer's glue and paper mache. Like most of them are all from Sandlot, which is, yeah. uh, you know, they do a certain, you know, they also did uh, robot alchemic drive. Yep. Um, and a robot did kill grandma. Yeah, um, that's right. So like, and like, you know, they're using the, the dubbing from, you know, the English dubbing from Japan a lot of the time. So it's just a little, you know, uh, but this is, you know, Yuke's also did Iron Rain. Um, oh, it did. So, which was supposed to be the serious one. You right. Know, so maybe they're carrying that forward a little bit. I do miss the weird dialogue where, like, you know, you'll, you're running around all these, like, tough old soldiers in, like, an ant cave, and, like, somebody just goes, we're on an exciting underground expedition. Kind yeah. of thing. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. okay, like, what, I, 
Sure, why not? Well, yeah. you don't get really funny quotes because they actually you can actually tell that they sent it to like a translation company for this game. Yeah, which takes a lot of the fun out of it. It does. <laughs> and then the other problem too is that they repeat because there's the problem is because there's so many characters they just yeah. did not record enough lines for each one. So literally, Always some true of, the of these char- games. Yeah. yeah, some of the characters will say the same thing over and over and over. Like literally every like three or four seconds, they'll say the same thing. You could turn it down, which I ended up doing after a while. I, I just mm-hmm. got completely sick of like because I found the team that I wanted to play with. Also, I was like, okay, I have like a heavy for melee. I have a sniper. I have a machine gun guy, and I have a rocket launcher guy. And once I had those four characters, I just walked through the game. There, eventually, there are levels where you can get vehicles, but there it's you don't need them. There are five different different difficulty settings, and if you're an adult who wants to play this game. I highly recommend jacking it all the way up because it is really, really easy. Again, another reason why I would wholeheartedly recommend this for the kids in your family if you're looking for yeah. a game that like, you might enjoy playing with them. Yeah, but like Earth Defense Force 6 is supposed to come out this year. Yeah. So obviously in Japan, I guess. But maybe Which who knows it next year, year. No, next year here. But like, yeah, it seems like, you know, just wait wait for that. Or like, you can you probably pick up like five or Iron Rain or something real cheap in, in the next sale. The other thing about um, this, whatever, Matt, this game is $60. Yeah, the pricing <laughs> on the Earth Defense Force is, is really, I mean, Iron Rain was like 70 if you bought it with like the, the bonus stuff. Um, it feels like they're just, preying on their fans. They know they have a very small, very dedicated group of people that buy mm-hmm. the games and they're like, they're going to buy them. So let's, we're yeah, not well, going to get rat random people to play this or buy it. So let's just jack up the price so we know we're going to make our investment back off our existing Yeah, fans. well, and also, like, you don't have, um, uh, like, there's nothing else like this. Yeah, there really like, isn't, for better or worse. If, if you want to play Earth Defense Force, you pretty much have to play Earth Defense Force. There, There is no alternative to this series. Yep. Um, and it, look, I'll say this, it does play like every other EDF game. Uh, so if you like this stuff, it's not as campy or corny as the other games, um, they, I think they spent too much money, <laughs> to be honest with you. And the game does lose a little bit of his charm because of it. Um, but it's the same stuff. You're shooting lots of ants, and then every once in a while, a random, like, gigantic boss will roll into the battlefield. Um, but it doesn't – it never changes how you fight them. Like, you can just fill mm-hmm. them full of bullets or launch enough rockets at them, and they eventually die. Uh, there's really no strategy to it. Um, you can get overwhelmed by the insects, but on even up to the next to highest difficulty setting, it's really no problem to just walk your way through this game. Um, I don't know. 60 bucks, it's a no-go for me. Even if you have kids and your kid watches a trailer for this game and is like, I want that, I want that, wait, wait. Like, even at 40 bucks, I really struggle to tell someone to buy this, even if their kid is, like, begging for it, which they're probably not. Um, but it is... Earth Defense Force, it is in voxels. I am a sucker for voxels. Um, But I just think the, I hate to say it, but I think the poor production values of this franchise are part of what draw me to it. Um, And it's kind of gone here. They've gone a little bit too serious, I think, um, for my taste. And I would argue probably for the taste of most of the fans of Earth Defense Force as well. Uh, But they're still going to buy it no matter what. So. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
mean, I'm a fan of Earth Defense Force. I don't think I'm going to buy this. Yeah. Six, well, I but would tell I you definitely don't boxes, do that. It's 60 so. bucks. There's no way in hell I would no, recommend it. No, 60 bucks is crazy for that. It, it is crazy. I mean, it should I be didn't 30 like bucks. paying that for Iron Rain, and I thought Iron Rain was a pretty high pro, high production value game for this series. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, I could pick it up in a sale one day, maybe. Also, I just don't like the look of it. I don't like how it looks. Yeah, I mean, it looks like Minecraft, EDF Minecraft, yeah. for the most part. And there's no building does, in it either. Yeah, and it does nothing for me. So yeah, it is kind of funny though. Building. It is funny though when I see presentation like this. I immediately assume that there should be some way that you can build something in the game. That's what right. Minecraft has done to my brain. You instantly start trying to stack blocks on each other. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But there's nothing like that. There's no like building your own vehicles or building your own characters or anything like that. You just play the game as it is given to you. So that's it for Earth Defense Force World Brothers. It's available for everything. No, actually, no, it's not. It's PS4, Switch, and PC. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, di- I will say this, there are discounts on the game pretty much on every platform right now. Like you can get the switch version for 47 right now. You can get the PC version. I think for even cheaper than that, for some reason, the PS4 version is the only one that isn't on sale. That's a full 60 bucks. And then I'm guessing the other two versions eventually will go up to a full 60 as well. So I do not recommend picking it up. I would say 30 bucks might be worth giving it a look. Um, and probably, or maybe if you have a kid in your family that you're buying Christmas gifts for, this game will probably be about 30 bucks around the holidays. And then I might say, you know what, if you have a niece or a nephew like me who is really young and they're looking for games or their parents are looking for games uh, for their kids to play that are not offensive, this is a pretty good choice. It's very easy to understand, very easy to play. Uh, so it is probably a good kids game, just not at the $60 price tag that they're asking for it right now. All right, we're going to move on. To another game from Japan. This one's much better than Earth Defense Force, though. We're going to talk and about cheaper and cheaper. That's a good point, actually, Matt. Uh, it's called Scarlet Nexus. It is Bandai Namco's really its first next gen game. It was shown off in all the early promotion, I believe, for Xbox Series X. I don't think it was a big PS5 uh, promotional game. No, yeah, I definitely associate this with that with Xbox, which is probably why it's got the demo on Xbox. Yep. And uh, Scarlet Nexus is an action RPG, but the first, very first thing I will say about this game is it is RPG light. Um, there are skill trees that you can build out. Uh, there are two different characters that you can play as throughout the game, a male and a female. And it's not one of those games where you choose the male or the female and then you play the same game. They have different campaigns with different party members that join them, although they do end up treading a lot of the same terrain. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. The main difference seems to be how they play. They do play um, entirely different. Absolutely. Like the guy is more of a close up sword fighter and the girl tends to use like kind of long distance projectiles more. Um, the guy the has a sword. I, the girl has throwing knives. Yeah. The girl is harder to play as I found. It depends on how you play. I think. Um We'll just give you the quick nuts and bolts on this, because this has been one game that's been kind of shrouded in secrecy ever since it was announced. And unfortunately, Bandai Namco is the worst with copyright strikes on YouTube. And Mm -hmm. so when we've talked about this game in the past, we've never really shown it to you, because we did it the first time, and we had to go back and re-render the entire episode of Game Face over 30 seconds of footage. So we just haven't touched it since. However, I have captured this footage, so I am golden um, there is a demo right now available on Xbox consoles that lets you play as both the male and the female. 
and give you a taste of both of them so you can kind of understand how it all works. Um, as you're seeing there in the lower third, Bandai Namco is calling this setting Brain Punk, which is a play on cyberpunk. And really, it is cyberpunk. But they're saying it's called Brain Punk because basically the whole game is driven by telekinesis, the ability yeah, to use your cyber, mind. Uh, psychic stuff. Yeah. Uh, the, the blank punk thing, by the way, is a very common yeah. shift. Like there's weird punk. Just because all you need is like the central conceit to be one concept and then a bunch of people fighting against the system and you've got blank punk. Yep. Uh, my favorite permutation currently being what's called hope punk, <laughs> which uh, is basically like optimistic stories about the future, uh, which is partly rooted and they're only half joking, like partly rooted in the idea that having optimism for the future at this point is the most punk thing you can do. <laughs> I might have to actually agree with that. <laughs> oh, the irony. That's great. Um, the, so this is actually set on Earth. It's set in a fictional Japanese city. Uh, it's, but, it's set in an, it's set in, an, in an anime world. Yeah. It is, is a, 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 a fairly generic anime supernatural setting. Yes. Um, Earth has been invaded by plant creatures called the Others. That, mm -hmm. And they want to eat human brains because humans have learned how to you know they always say well we only use like 30 percent of the human brain well in this world we've learned how to use more of it which gives humans yeah, powers so, like telekinesis so, the, so and, the entire premise of the game is a completely false thing that no one should ever believe yeah um <laughs> so you don't that believe is, that that's true that we only use x amount of our brains it's not a belief it's literally false oh okay it's a, it's i a didn't know that actually no it's a misinterpretation of uh of a different like measurement from another paper like i did it, not know that it is it is not true you you use pretty much all your brain not all, all once yeah but every part of your brain is a has a purpose you don't just have matt i think you may have it. blown everyone's minds everyone on a yeah. chat mine i've just it's because i've been told that my whole life i just assumed no, it was that's, true. That's, that is completely untrue wow like every party like your here's the thing like that's got to be one of the most popular urban myths in our it society is. it definitely is yeah. uh it but your brain like your brain takes up more calories and more energy than any other part of your body and if if 90 percent of it served no purpose in most people we wouldn't still have it yeah like it like you wouldn't waste that much that many resources on something you don't need that much of but no every part of your brain serves a function wow interesting uh, so yeah it's okay. just not, you're not using it all at once but like it's well it's they are using that trope as the basis for the entire plot in this game yeah. <laughs> the, the other the, the time you i mean the real time i think I, I learned the truth about that was during that what was that uh, was that scarlett johansson movie what Lucy one? or something? Yeah, it was the, yeah. Yeah, you know, the 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 one by the guy Luke Besson, where it was like it was like she learned to use all her brains, so yeah. she became basically. Yeah, that whole movie is based on it. Yeah, that's completely false. Wow, it's completely stupid. Like I say every week, you always learn something watching Game Face. Every time, There's always something. Always something. Um, so anyway, the the others they want to eat our brains because we've learned how to unlock their potential mm -hmm. and. Apparently that so makes it, them more palatable for man, more delicious. The more you use something, the more delicious it is. That's why we like to run cows ragged before we kill them. It's no, it's funny. the opposite. The opposite of that. Yeah. Um, um, this, yeah. 
So like if so like I guess the psychic people are like the Kobe beef <laughs> brains to the aliens. That's a good analogy. Um, and so apparently, the, because of this, the human race is on the brink of extermination. Enter the OSF, the Other Suppression Force, which is the group oh, that you join. You are a rookie. You sure this isn't an Earth Defense Force? I know, on? I know. <laughs> That's why these are back to back in the in the show. <laughs> That's why they were stacked that way. Um, and you are two rookies. You're bo- both the guy and the girl playable characters are new to the force. Um, all the members of the OSF are connected by scarlet tubes that let them communicate with each other. So the crux of the game is there is traditional hack and slash, which you've been seeing in yeah, the Yeah, it's B-roll. definitely got a character action. If you, if you like Devil May Cry or Bayonetta, you're going to find some similarities here. Or Astral Chain or yeah. any of the other Japanese hack and slash RPG, action yeah. RPG light Char- games. Character action is what it's called. That, yeah, um, that does seem to be what people have settled on. And this definitely, ha- I mean, usually character action doesn't have a lot as much skill tree stuff as this, I would say, but like, yeah. that is the, the root of, of where they're coming from with the combat here. Yeah. Um, and then the combat is driven by sort of your extrasensory powers. So um, you have the ability as either character to pick up objects and throw them. Mm-hmm. If you use the right trigger, you can pick up pretty much anything and throw it. And that cools down quickly. The mm-hmm. left trigger, you can also pick up stuff, but you can pick up bigger stuff, and this cooldown is a lot slower. The other thing about it, though, is once you use the left trigger to pick something up and hit an enemy with it, it triggers this quick time event that you can use to play that does tons of damage, by the way. Like, one of the attacks, like, literally smashes their brain and kills them. Um, yeah, so they tend to be... Um, the left triggers, like tele- telekinesis stuff, tends to be stuff that's specifically set up in the environment. Like the yeah. right trigger, you can just pick up ob- whatever objects like are around. a trash can or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And the left trigger stuff seems to be very specifically placed stuff in the world. Yeah. Like, and, and they're they're almost like little cutscenes. Yep. The way they kill you, and then the and then if you stun an enemy the right way, then you can just pull the left trigger and do a finisher on them. Yep. Um, and then, of course, you have um, different enemies are immune to different things, are vulnerable to different things, yep. and that's when you can borrow the powers of your squad mates. Yeah, so if you hit RB on Xbox or R1 on PlayStation, yeah. it brings up, will, it, it changes say, what the face buttons do. Yeah, I will also say uh, you can rearrange the button mapping on this, and I did. Oh, you did? I did not, I did not like left trigger as the finish the guy off okay. trigger. Okay. I, switched, I basically swapped the triggers with the bumpers. Okay. Um, but anyway, whatever you decide to use to modify the face buttons, then it you you have four party members with you on each mission, and a party member is basically mapped to one of the face buttons. And as Matt said, mm-hmm. some enemies are weak to certain elements. Like a lot of the enemies in this are made of like plants or flowers, and so if you use fire on them, they go down mm-hmm. much more quickly. One of the of the partners that you can borrow the powers from uses fire, and so he can yeah. imbue your weapons like- with fire. Alternately, and you got one that does like uh, electricity, and you yep. got one so that does super So if you find an enemy, enemy in water, you can use the yeah. electric attack, and it doubles the damage or triples the damage or whatever. Mm-hmm. So there's this elemental tug of war that yeah. you play through using the borrowed like, powers from your party members. You've also got enemies that are like too fast to hit. Yep. You borrow super speed, and you can then you can do combos on them. And then once you've knocked them down, even if the super speed runs out, you can then hit them when they're down. Um, it was an, it's an interesting system and like, uh, like you can, 
uh, you have to unengage, like disengage the borrowed power to let it recharge. And yeah. early on, I didn't realize that. And I was just constantly staying on the borrowed power and never recharging when it needed again, it wasn't ready. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of, there's actually a lot of resource management yeah. uh, in play. Yep. Um, some of the other abilities that you have, you can turn invisible. Yeah. Um, and that helps you get, and then there's another one that you can use that will make invisible enemies appear. There's a lot of them, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this demo only lets you play with four for the male character and then four for the female character. Um, and I think most of them, they're mostly the same. And then, Matt, I, we just saw in the B-roll, there's the attacks where you you tap Y and B together. Yeah. And and that kind of like seems to summon like a... that That's like a kind of a finisher with one of the right. other teammates. Yep. So they actually like appear very quickly in the world. And um, will help you attack the enemy for a bit. Um, the other thing, too, about it is that the way, like, there's no move canceling in this. Not that I noticed. Like, it seems like once you're locked into either offense or defense, you're stuck there. Um, yeah, although you can sort of, if you can blend in the right trigger, like, telekinesis hits. Like, there's a lot of ways to, because to, early on, it feels like you can either hit something with your weapon and do a combo, or you can grab something and throw it at them. Yeah. But very quickly, it teaches you. It doesn't teach you very well. The tutorials on this, I, f- I thought, were a little off yeah. in places. But you can mix a, a right trigger. You can charge the right trigger attack or a left trigger attack while you're doing a normal combo and then let it go and then bring that in. And then you can charge uh, like the Y button while that's happening and do a com- continue a stronger combo after it. Like, There's a lot of ways you can mix it up in this yeah. that uh, slowly sort of reveal themselves to you as you're, pl- as you're playing the demo that I thought... Like I, you know, I'm not a fan of kind of the psychic supernatural anime thing. I, I find their take, the anime take on stuff like that, to be a little just uninteresting to me. Yeah. But like, I really did like the fighting in this. Yeah, I like the combat um, too. Like the one of the first upgrades the male character learns is the ability to jump back on his feet. Um, that mm-hmm. became very important because it allows you to get back in and complete your combos. Say if you, you did something, you get blown back, you can jump back in and keep the combo going, keep the combo string going. Yeah. Um, the girl gets the ability to, she hops backwards and throws like a, a spread of knives. And if you hit with it at the end of a combo, it it, re, it charges up your, your psychic meter like way more than it normally would. So that's yep. a way to keep your meter up so you can continue to throw stuff at them because you want to keep a little more distance with her. Yeah, and then the first um, upgrade I got for her was one that allowed me to keep my air combos going, and that mm-hmm. was very helpful as well. But one thing I would just say overall is that I once I understood how the game worked and how the combat worked, it became a cakewalk. Like, being able to, like, the L trigger throwing stuff is so overpowered. Like, you, you basically... You can throw something, it'll break the shield of the enemy, and you can run in and like finish them that way, or it literally just like one hit kills them. Um, once I started to understand, okay, this enemy's invisible, so I need to use the clairvoyance um, borrowed power or whatever. Uh, this this enemy is susceptible to fire. Use the incinerate uh, borrowed power. Once I figured all that stuff out, I was just walking through this game. Like mm-hmm. I played as the the guy first. And I struggled a little bit here and there when I'd come across a new enemy I didn't know how to tackle. Then, and I finished the demo as him, beat the boss at the end, and then I started playing as a girl, and I already understood, like, the lay of the land. I looked at her partners to see what they could do, and I just waltzed through her part of the demo. Like, no problem. Um, I don't... Were there difficulty settings in this demo? I didn't even go and look. No, I also, like, this is the tutorial level, so yeah. I, don't, I don't expect it to be that hard. I can definitely see... 
the mechanics of this being used to create some really challenging situations going forward, which is sort of the hallmark of this kind of game yeah. in, uh, in, in most other respects. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not too worried about the challenge level. I think this is intentionally a training wheels demo. Okay. Um, um, but I do find it fun to just throw shit at people and like do all, I mean, it, it was entertaining in a way I, I don't often find sort of the non throwing games. <laughs> no, no, the, the non marquee game, like a devil may cry or a okay. Bayonetta. Usually that's about the extent of, I will get into a game. Like astral chain didn't really interest me and stuff like that. Yeah. That, uh, but this was fun. I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed how they, they made the combos work with the Teleconnect stuff. It actually lived up to the trailer they showed, I thought. Yeah. Although the presentation in this game, one, I don't think the game looks all that good. It looks like no, a last-gen game. No, it's not. Uh, it doesn't feel like a game that's next-gen focused. It's odd that it was like one of the big games that was shown first for Xbox yeah, Series like, X. Like, I guess running every, all the particle stuff they're doing, all the shaders they're doing all at once with a 60 frame rate, 60 frames per second frame rate is pretty good. Like, that's probably, it helps that they probably have the extra power. Um, I don't know. Like, but like a lot of the cutscenes are just talking heads with text bubbles, for instance. Oh yeah, the, the cutscenes are death. Like it's just, it's just. It's like oh, that's boy, do not. I not care about, I don't care about you and your stock like I know. characters and like all oh, these like the the one guy that hates that you're there and study yeah. all this stuff. I just skipped all through it, and that's how most yeah. of the story is told. Like a honestly, like a cheap JRPG in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's a, it's like a or like a visual novel. Yeah, kind of it's which weird. I was pretty disappointed in that. And then the real-time stuff looks okay. It's not great, but it looks okay. A lot of red. A lot of red. Well, it is called Scarlet, so... Yeah, Scarlet Nexus. It, it does lives up to that title. And then, so as far as, like, the partners, and it's called... The actual system where you borrow the powers of your party members is called the Struggle Arts System. Um, you can actually increase the abilities of the... Or those abilities by this weird, like lobby system you go it's a little bit like persona you go into this environment and you hang out with them and then you can trigger like these little vignettes where you have a conversation mm. with them and it builds your bond with that other person and then their attacks when you use them in combat are actually vastly improved so i don't know like i agree with you i had fun with the combat in this game other than the fact that it was really really easy and you're right it is like a demo or a tutorial so it could become more difficult and there may be difficulty settings in the final version too to crank it up a little bit um but i did have fun with the combat it is fun being able to pick anything up and then smash it like even like a car you could pick up like mm -hmm. there's one part where you in the girls campaign where you can move a train and the whole train like will smash like this huge group of enemies, and that is fun. Like I had a lot of fun just grabbing stuff and just hurling it because even if you don't kill an enemy instantly by using the L with the brain crush, at the very least it will take down their shield or make them collapse or you know mm -hmm. open otherwise open themselves up for for damage. Um, and I there's a fun kind of yo-yo mechanic with the offense and the defense in the game and yeah there's a good flow to it yeah i definitely agree with that and it does seem like that's going to be a big part of the game is the actual combat mm -hmm. and there's the other part of the story matt where like the, there's like a paparazzi that follows you around and yeah like, like there's like drone news cameras yeah, or something just show that up like, constantly <laughs> like covering you for like it's like oh what's going on and like you got like one got one member of your party one member of the party like is like oh i'll run over and be the face and distract them while you guys do the real work kind of thing yeah. it's just like 
It's, I mean, it's a take. Like, it's, it's <laughs> the thing is, like, I don't know. Like, like I, I like the combat, and I'm sort of sitting here like, is the combat going to be enough to pull me through the narrative? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it does look like, you know, the two campaigns are pretty different. Um, yeah. They're a lot different, honestly, other than going through the same, you know, areas. Like, it seems like the plot's completely different. Obviously, your support characters are completely different. Um, so there might be incentive to play it again, uh, depending, and who knows how long it's going to be for your first playthrough. Uh, I think that's something people are going to look at when they decide whether they want to spend 60 bucks on it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we said, you know, the vast majority of the game is spent in combat, and the combat's good and fun and fluid and interesting and at least a little bit different. Um, and that's not easy to say in 2021, even for this genre, which doesn't come out all that often anymore. Um, any other notes? Anything else you want to bring up before we move on, man? Mm, that's what I can think of. Uh, the, the areas that you go to build bonds with the other characters are called hideouts. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's skill trees for every character. You can do download it and play it if you if you have the systems yep. for it. So I think the demo is only on Xbox. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's an Xbox exclusive right now. And I played it four days ago. I'm not sure when the demo is being taken down. My guess is it'll stay up know. until launch. Um but I don't I know that. So. For sure. I, I played it. I actually played it like a couple weeks ago. Oh, okay. When it, when it first went up, oh. so I'm I'm working off memory here. But uh, okay. Um, and then the game comes out on June 25th, so not much mm-hmm. longer to wait. One of the bigger releases towards the end of the month, and obviously we're going to cover this more in depth uh, as this release date gets near. And then obviously once it releases, we'll do our usual big segment on it here on Game Face. But I did enjoy it, Matt. It does have a lot of the trappings of your typical ac- Japanese action game slash Japanese action RPG. Um, I don't like the storytelling all that well. I don't find the story all that particularly compelling either. Um, mm-hmm. the, ca- the characters I don't really care about. But the combat is fun, different, and smooth, and unique. So it's got something going for it. Uh, but I think a lot, whether I end up recommending this game to someone or not, is going to depend a lot on how much they care about interesting combat mechanics. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it's going to ride entirely on that. Or if you just really love weird anime telekinetic stories, I yeah. guess. But, uh, like, if you like, you know, that, that was a genre that wasn't really a thing when I was growing up. I guess if you're younger, you might have, you know, watched, like, something that was a little more up that alley. Yeah. Yep. I guess there's a little bit of Akira in there. Yeah, maybe a little. Yeah, the setting definitely feels a little Akira. Setting with psychic kids, kind of, you yep. know, there's a little bit in there. Yep. Uh, so there you go, the Scarlet Nexus. Um, even though the demo is only available for Xbox, it is actually coming to other platforms as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Valve. The latest episode of Pactor Factor also discusses Valve this week. And the question is, you know, is Gabe doing enough to maximize the... The, the earning potential of Valve. And Pactor's contention is, on Steam, sure. Everywhere else, probably not. Um, and his, his point is that Valve isn't releasing enough games. And the one game it did release it was high profile was for VR, which is a platform that most people don't have, and therefore the sales of its games are being limited by the decision-making there. Literally, like the day after we published that episode of Pactor Factor, the timing was uncanny because that was actually recorded like weeks ago. We published it, and like the next day, we find out that Valve is working on a PC handheld, like a Switch, but not a Switch, that runs PC games. Matt, did Gabe not learn his lesson with the whole Steam machine stuff? 
when he tried to build like shuttle PCs that were all in one and that ended Apparently up not. flopping like hard. Like they even had like official deals for that with like Alienware and some mm-hmm. other like manufacturers where it wasn't yeah, like that was no small venture. Yeah. What do you what are they thinking, Matt? Like why what is the deal with this? It almost what? feels like they just thought they should be doing something. So they did they this. They should be. They should be making video games. That's what right. they should be doing. Like, this is one of those cases where, you know, you're doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. It's the definition of insanity. Now, this is mm-hmm. a little different because he's going handheld, but I would argue that that makes even less sense for Valve, Matt. I mean, the other th- things that they've done, the Steam Link discontinued, had to sell off all the old stock for, like, nothing. Steam Controller, not widely adopted by pretty much anyone. Um, I just, why would you do this? Do you think it'll be successful? Do you think even if, could it, can it be successful if it's done perfectly? I mean, I don't know what the measure of success would be for this for them. Um, Like, if you're going to sell something on the level of, like, the NVIDIA Shield, I guess, maybe... But if you're trying to compete in a handheld space and you're th- you got Nintendo in your brain, like you're out of your mind, um, like this is not a space you try to horn in on in the console space. Um, if you want to kind of do a competitor the, to the Shield, I I guess. But why? I don't understand this at all. I I'm really like starting it, to lose really faith feels in like Gabe a, a little bit. It feels bit. like a look busy move. It feels like hey, look what we're doing. We're doing things. Are you? I mean, I felt like that's what, like, Steam Link and, like, the Steam Controller was, to be honest. I mean, I felt like Steam Link and the Steam Controller had, like, I understood the motivation behind that more. It's like, okay, play Steam, like, big picture mode on your your TV through your home network. Okay, like, I get it. And, like, here's a controller that you can use. It kind of replicates the mouse stuff with things that aren't built to work with a controller. So you're not, like, locked out of those games if you want to play it in big picture mode. Like, okay, yeah, that, that all tracks for me. Yeah. This one, if you know, after the Steam Machine thing, this feels like wow. Why like, would you want to get into making hardware? I I don't know. Like I don't see. I hardware seems like uh like a loss leader to me. Like it just like you've already have proven that you can make games. Everybody, even even the game that you made in VR that no one can play. Like everyone who got to play it loved it. You know, it's like you still got it in there somewhere. Why don't you make software? Like. You could also put it on the consoles and sell even more, like the Orange Box did. Like, there's, there's a lot you could do. Like, somebody's got to have an idea for another portal, right? Like, hmm? it's just weird for them to get back into manufacturing anything. And, and again, you can't see the yeah. B roll, but right now we're looking at like the crazy assembly factory that Valve created just to create Steam controllers, and like mm-hmm. they didn't farm that out. Like they. Um, it- Maybe it's more like, oh, we have these factories and we should be making something. That's what I'm wondering. Like, is that it? Like, and that just shows you how much money Valve has yeah. to just flush Gabe, down the toilet if it wants Gabe to. Gabe should just Gabe just use that factory to make himself a boat. <laughs> <laughs> just make a boat. I I don't know. I'm completely confused by this. I I mean, I'll say this though. Look, if you do make like a if it is Switch like where you can take it on the road and you can play it like a handheld, and then you can come back and just plug in like. An eight, a micro HDMI cable into the back of it and plug it into your monitor or your TV and play it on your TV, there might be a market for it, Matt, because there are so many PC games. Like, you have, you instantly have the biggest library ever. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. it's not going to run stuff like one of the new NVIDIA cards or anything like no, that. 
But if it does something along the lines of what the Switch does, like I didn't find Steam Link to be an acceptable solution because at least on my home network, there was enough lag on it that I couldn't play things like Arkham yeah. City. I can play like, like Civ on it and that's it. Yeah, like, like literally the there's stuff. like one genre I can play on it. But like Arkham City, I could not do the counters because yeah, no the way. lag was too much. Yeah. And um, if this was a more direct way to do that without having to drag my PC in the living room, like that's, I'm, I'm not anti that, but I need to know a price point. And what about Gabe, like not learning from PlayStation? I mean, obviously the mm-hmm. Vita just recently was like sent out to pasture forever. You had. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, this doesn't have the Vita's problem in the library department. Yeah. You just, you're just using PC games, which is already a built-in win. But like, I don't know. Like, I don't. I mean, I don't know. Would you buy one, Matt? Depends how much it costs. Where, what's the max you think that they can charge to where you would buy it? I don't know what the power is on this thing either. Well, you like, got you kind of do know what the power is because you know what's what's possible in a form factor that size. So I guess I mean, I, I for for the usage case of like being able to take my Steam account and and kind of switch directly, you know, like use switch style directly play it on the TV. I might pay like two hundred for that. Yeah. That's about it. And if you're saying that the visuals are on the level of Switch as well? Yeah, like just, you know, it's not going to look like it does on my PC. I don't know. It's not going to look like it does on a modern card, but maybe something like it looks more or less like something a couple few years old would be acceptable. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's like if I really want to do that, I just go in the other room. Like, I don't It's like, again, you're, you're sort of a solution in search of a problem there. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I would like to be able to play PC games on my TV. Mm-hmm. I would like that. Um, I hate that Steam Link doesn't work better than it does. And I'm right with you. Like, mm-hmm. the lag is too much. I can play turn-based games on it, and that's pretty much it. Anything with any kind of action or timing, forget it. Like, mm-hmm. you, you start to get fooled into thinking it's going to work, and then at the most crucial moment, you get the lag that causes you to die or to lose or whatever. I never got to the trust stage with Steam Link. Um so I would like to be able to play PC games on my 4K TV out of my living room. Um, if there was another device that was introduced that cut down the lag of Steam Link, I would buy it in a heartbeat. Um, it would be nice to be able to play PC games out of my living room. I'm not going to lie. Uh, so I am a potential customer for this, and I do tend to agree with you. It can't be more than 200 bucks. Um, and if it is Switch level, so if they have the same processor in it that the Switch does, which could actually happen... It's not like Nintendo has the exclusive on that hardware from NVIDIA. Mm-hmm. Steam could do the same exact thing. Valve could do the same exact thing and could literally create a Switch that runs PC games. And if that's the case and it looks about on the level of Switch graphics, I would buy that for 200 bucks, Matt. It's, oh, but only if I can also plug it into my TV and it is truly like a Switch. Like... Just a handheld that plays PC games? No way. Cause I Yeah, I don't really need that. I don't need it. I don't play the Switch in handheld mode. Like ever. No. Also, like I think you're gonna have a lot of games that don't translate to a screen that size well with a PC. Yep. Like you're not gonna be able to read shit. Imagine trying to play like a real-time strategy game on your Switch, for example. Mm-hmm. Like you can't do it. The text is gonna be too small. Or like trying to play like Civilization or Stellaris. You can't read the text on the units and stuff. It's like, you know, there's it's gonna be some pitfalls. Yeah, um, so it just, I just don't understand why Valve is doing this. And maybe, look, maybe they announce it at E3, and it makes all the more sense in the world once we have more details on it. But right now, uh, it just, just, just make games. 
Like, yeah. I just that's what the people want for Valve is games. They don't want all this crazy crap that they're coming up with. They don't want them to support VR as hardcore as they have. It's fine. Like, if you want to make Half-Life, the next Half-Life, a VR game, that's cool. I'm okay with that. But make other games for the people who don't have VR or, or someone like me who just gets sick from VR. I, and then, you know, coupled with the fact of the whole Steam Machine debacle and all the money that they were in for that and all the money that they lost for that, like, I just... I really have no idea what's going on here and why this is happening. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I it's it's an odd uh, scenario. I don't I don't know what you know internally. Maybe they know some stuff we don't, but it doesn't seem to be the. It's, you know, it's not how I do it. I don't think uh, this is going to change Pactor's mind on. They're doing a good job with Steam and a bad job with everything else. I'll put it no, to you that I don't, way. I don't see that. I just don't, getting into hardware just seems like like kind of a fool's errand mm. at this point. Yep, I don't care how many empty warehouses they have sitting around waiting to do something. Sell yeah, you might want to like, just sell the. You might want to just yeah, sell the factory. Exactly. Um, it's weird. Like normally, Gabe is on it, man. He's the guy who's way ahead of everybody else, and maybe he is again. Maybe this thing becomes gigantic. And I think if it is like a Switch where you can play it handheld or plug it in, it has a chance. If it's not, I don't think it has any chance. Um, but we'll see. Valve has not really participated in E3 for a really long time. No. Um, so I wouldn't expect to see anything at E3, but it's possible that we will. Um, also, I should mention that these rumors came from pretty reliable sources. These weren't just like people throwing it out there. So um, there's probably some truth to it. Is Valve sitting and listening to social media and shows like ours to figure out if they should go forward with it? I don't know. I hope they are because I think it's on the verge of making a huge, huge mistake. Not that Valve can't afford to make huge mistakes, which it's proven over and over again that it absolutely can. So, yeah, that's it. We don't have an idea what the name is. What would you call it, Matt? Steam um, Machine, again. <laughs> I don't know. Like, well, you got Steam and Valve. Steam Valve. <laughs> yeah. Combine the, them together. <laughs> trying to think of like, you know, like equipment related Steam. I don't know. GX Gear also brings up a good point. You know, battery issues. Yeah. I mean, the Switch, the battery life on the Switch still isn't great. Even in the new models, it's a little better, but it's still not great. Um, and that is a big problem. And you start thinking about, you know, if they don't use kind of the same. Hardware that Nintendo uses with Switch that is designed with power consumption in mind. It could be even worse. It could be like the next Sega Game Gear where you you get mm -hmm. it, you charge it, and it plays for like 35 minutes, and you have to recharge it again. So <clears throat> we'll see. Um, never a dull moment at Valve, though. I'll say yeah, that much. You could pair it up with the, with the index and call it like the bibliography or something. <laughs> I don't know. Like, who cares at this yeah, point? Like, I would really just like to see Valve get out of VR in general. Like... Well, I don't know what it's doing, like, so neck deep in that tech. I mean, I know Gabe thinks it's the next thing, and it probably is, but it's not the thing. It's the yeah, next not, thing. Not today. Yeah. yeah. It's not the thing. It's the next thing. So keep that in mind. I would just like to see more games based on Valve's IP being released mm -hmm. on platforms that everybody plays. How about that? Yeah. I don't think that's too much to ask. How about a 2D version of Half-Life Alex? How about that? Mm -hmm. well, I think so. Community's getting pretty close to fin yeah. finishing that. Why isn't Valve doing that? Like, I don't know. So they want you to buy an index. I'm so frustrated. I cannot. It's hard to think of another company that, in my mind, has fallen farther than Valve 
over the last like 10 or 15 years. Like I used to, they used to be one of the best developers, Matt. Like Bleeding Edge. making things. Bleeding Edge, gravity gun, mind blowing stuff. Mm -hmm. And now they're just making, I mean, when you're making money like you are on Steam, I guess you don't have to worry about doing anything else. So, no. But to to the point of the question for Pactor Factor, maybe it is time for Gabe to like step aside. Do you think? I don't know. I don't know if anybody else would be more ambitious. I think, as far position. as software development with the IP that Valve has, absolutely. I think a lot of people. I think a lot of people given charge of Valve would shut software development down completely. Really, and, and, and just, just focus it, on just Steam, make it Steam and get rid of everything else. Yeah. But I feel like Steam is already maximized. Like it's already doing as good as it can, pretty much. Maybe. And so if you want to grow revenue, you're probably going to have to do something else. mm -hmm. Yeah. So anyway, that's the latest on Valve. Um, It's a shame. Like, I remember when I went into, like, the demo for Half-Life 2 and saw Gabe demo the gravity gun. Like, just the Mm. way that Valve was looked at back then. Like, I don't even know if a lot of people who play today even understand it, Matt. Like, how heralded Valve was then. No. Or how, like, the... You know, when I got the orange They're box... They're like the naughty even... dog of 15 years ago. Yeah, well, when I got the orange box, I didn't even know what Portal was. Yeah. And then and Portal. I, well, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll try this Portal thing. Where's and the like, next oh, Portal yeah. game? I like, played the whole Portal... I played all of Portal 1 in one sitting. Yeah. Like, it was just, it's wow, amazing. like, what the hell is this? Yeah, yeah. The last great Valve game, other than, you know, Alex, which was, you know, VR only, and I haven't played it, but, you know, if I think back to the last Valve game I really liked was Portal 2. Yeah. And that was, what, 11 years ago? Yeah, I know. It's sad. Um, but anyway, I'd rather I would personally rather see them go towards development instead of working in this hardware crap that they seem to same, be accepting. Same, but I, I I think from I think business people would just either shut down development and focus on Steam or I don't know. Like I think you just say you know, you want infinite growth, obviously, but like I think it's hard for your average business mind to connect the expense and time of game development with the immediate revenue of running a store, yeah. you know, running a game store like steam and maybe Gabe is one of the only people who, you know, believes in the dichotomy enough to keep both of those things going simultaneously. It's possible. So I would, I'm, I'm not quite so quick to say Gabe is that out of touch. Um, but I don't understand what his hand. He does seem about. kind of like a hermit. Yeah. He doesn't make many public appearances anymore. Like, well, now he lives in Hobbiton, so... Uh, right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I forgot about that. He does pop out every once in a while. He'll do, like, a random, like, panel discussion, like, mm-hmm. for some little dinky thing. He'll just show up, but, like, E3... Well, that's the advantage of having the money Gabe Newell does, is you can do whatever the fuck you want. Whenever the whenever F you, you want. want. Yeah, and he does, so... Yeah. I will say that. He has not sacrificed his vision. He Make a boat. <laughs> I want, I want a steamboat. <laughs> Make a steamboat. I mean, in a lot of ways, Valve Valve could have kind of become could have been like the first Tesla, don't you think? In theory, I feel yeah. like the, those two guys have similar ways of looking at things. Like, no, I think G- G- Gabe is a far more uh, pragmatic. Mm, pragmatic lives in reality. Um, is not quite so inwardly centered um i don't get a lot of narcissistic tendencies from gabe and i do from elon yeah i don't know i've heard some stories about working with gabe that mm. give me a little pause but anyway so there you go that's what's up with the vow he's a saint but i just i feel yeah. like gabe comes from a more uh grounded realm uh, when it comes to like how he built his business steam for sure 
the hardware yeah. stuff. I'm not gonna. I'm not quite ready to say the Steam handheld, the Valve handheld thing is as wrong-headed as the we're gonna dig a giant tunnel that doesn't make any sense when you, <laughs> apply, when okay. you actually apply real-world physics to it. Okay, fair um, enough. So <laughs> fair enough. Let's not forget that Elon bought Tesla out from under somebody else. Yeah. You know, Gabe built Valve himself. That is true. Yep. All right, it's time to move on. We're gonna talk next about. A Switch exclusive, at least in America, and that is Disgaea 6. Disgaea, traditionally a PlayStation exclusive, it is a mm-hmm. turn-based going way strategy. Back. Going way like all the way back. It has always debuted first on PlayStation. Uh, this entry is coming to Switch exclusively in North America. Now in Japan, it's coming to both Switch and PlayStation 4. So Japanese players still getting Disgaea. Um, not here, though. They won't say how long the time to exclusivity is in the West. Uh, but it's going to be at least a good bit because they haven't even officially announced any other versions of it. Um, as I said, it is a turn-based strategy RPG franchise. Um, and some people would argue probably one of the best. Um, I would argue it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I have not. The last Disgaea I played, I think, was Disgaea 4. Mm-hmm. Um and that was like right when Sifted launched. And the only reason I played mm-hmm. it was because I captured footage for someone. This was back when we had money to have freelancers do game evals for us. And somebody else was writing the game eval, and I was capturing footage for the game eval. We never even ended up doing the video version of the eval for this game. But that was the last time that I played it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, they're saying that this one is supposed to have like huge changes from prior games. I'll be perfectly honest with you. It feels exactly the same to me. Now, there is a list of stuff that they list that's supposed to be new, but I think for most people it's going to be pretty subtle. Um, There's a demo of this available right now for free on the Switch eShop. It is the first two chapters of the final game. If you play it, your your progress does carry over into the final game when it comes out later this month. Uh, The story is very simple. You play as a zombie named Zed. Um... He, like most zombies, keeps being reincarnated. He believes that he has already defeated the main bad guy from the story, which is the God of Destruction. It turns out it's he hasn't. Um, he has this power called like reincarnation or something like that, where he keeps dying and reviving over and over again. And all the times that he's lived and died, he's become confused over time about things that he has or has not done. Uh, and then he has a sidekick zombie dog named Cerberus that goes with him everywhere. And the whole goal of the game is to defeat the God of Destruction again. It seems like that's the plot in every single Disgaea. Um, some of the new stuff that that are, have changed for this, the team tactics in general are just much heavier. And, and I'll be honest with you, Matt, after a while it started to become annoying because mm-hmm. you can just position characters next to your, your support characters next to your character and it just automatically fires off like these combo attacks and these chain attacks. So... Every attack is like four faceplates popping up on the screen. Then there's two faceplates, and then there's an attack. Um, the big thing presentation-wise for this game is for the first time ever, the game has 3D character models. It's hard to believe it's taken this mm. long for this franchise to actually move to 3D, but it does for the first time have actual 3D rendered characters, which allows you to do things like flashier like spell effects and attack effects. So mm-hmm. that's what I noticed the most is like, and look, when if you play this genre at all, you know you eventually turn this stuff off because you've seen them all and you don't want to see that same stupid attack animation for the millionth time, but 
it is one of the big features of Disgaea 6 is that they have real-time rendered graphics this time, which allows for more elaborate, uh, dynamic uh, attack animations than what you got before with the sprites, which were basically just all pre-recorded and just played back as you played it. Um, the other thing that they've done with this this game is they've tried to make it more accessible for casual players. And I'll be honest with you, it, it still feels like a brick wall. It, mm. <laughs> like, I tried to... And I've played Disgaea before. I've played tons of strategy RPGs. I tried to just play it without reading the tutorial or playing the tutorial, and I had to go back and play the tutorial because... It's it's not like most strategy RPGs where you're like, okay, I select the character I want to move, I select the space I want him to move him to, I hit the button, he moves to that, then a new menu comes up where you select the attack that you want, and then you press that button, and then the attack happens. It's more complicated than that, um, which is probably why they're trying to make it more simple. So what they've done is they've added like an auto battle mode, which literally handles everything. Everything. It handles movement. It handles who takes first attack. It handles the combos. It All of it, from soup to nuts, it does everything for you. You can just sit back and let the game play itself. Now, after you finish a battle, you can go into the menus, and you can fiddle with your characters and adjust their stats and their attributes. After you finish a mission, you go back to, like, the world hub. You still control, like, buying all the upgrades, buying the new weapons, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so it's not like it's completely on autopilot, but you can set every battle to basically handle itself from the beginning. Um, and then there are different speed options, and like I said, you can remove um, the attack animations if you want to, so it just becomes more of like a number-crunching type experience. Um, and there's also, they give you some tools to help you manage the auto-battling stuff called Demonic Intelligence. It will actually kind of guide you and how to set up your party members so that they will work best together when you're not in control. Um, so it, it's like an autopilot for the autopilot, which is pretty <laughs> crazy. So they look, they are trying to make it a game that people who don't want to dive into all the number crunching can actually play and probably enjoy. Um, let's see. They also, here's the other thing too. Like a lot of, it, in a lot of RPGs or strategy RPGs, you always have to have like, the party member with you to level up the party. And sometimes you have to make hard decisions. You're like, I really want to level this guy up, but he's probably not going to be right for this enemy or this group of enemies that I'm going to be fighting. Well, in this game, like you can level up your party members regardless of if, of if they're in your party or not and actually fighting along with you. Some people, purists may complain about that. Um, I think it's nice to have that flexibility. Um, there's, a, there's a place called the Juice Bar which lets you give the XP to characters that weren't even in the battles. It also lets you share mana and these things called extracts, which give them buffs. So basically you can build characters that are just sitting in your roster without taking them into battle at all. Again, your mileage is going to vary with that. Um, what else is there? Um, oh, so the level cap, <laughs> Matt, the level cap in this game is 99 million. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The stat cap is 10 quadrillion for hit points and spell points and 100 billion for all other stats. I played this game for two missions, and my character level was like 40-something. Like, that's how quick you level up in this game. So this is kind of like the strategy RPG for people with really short attention spans. And people who don't like stories. Or if you want to max the level out really long attention spans. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's... 
But if you're as you level up, you're getting new stuff. You're earning points that you mm. can give to your characters. And literally, in two missions, I leveled up 40 times. So there's always something to fiddle with. Um, the economy, pretty generous. Every time I came back to the World Hub, which is what you're seeing in the B-roll right now, there was always enough money for me to buy stuff that actually made a difference. Um, it... I, you know, it's not just lip service, I would say, with this game, that they're really kind of constructing it and building it so that non-hardcore strategy RPG fans can actually play it and enjoy it. Um, what else? That's really much, really it. It's <clears throat> It hasn't, like I said, it hasn't changed as much as I had thought it was based upon what was being said about the game before the demo was released. And... Like I said, you can get this right now on the Switch eShop. I think it's still there. I got it a few days ago. I'm guessing it's probably still there. Um, when the game does come out, though, it is going to be a full-price game, and that's a tough sell for me, even based upon what I've played so far. Um, and it launches on June 29th in the U.S., and it's a Switch-exclusive PS4 version available in Japan. Matt, I'm actually not sure about this. Is the PS5 region locked? I don't remember. I don't either. Maybe someone in chat knows that. How have I not thought about that all this time? I don't know. But if you're that's... not you're not super hot to import anything, would be my guess. Yeah, I mean that's part of it. Um, but I just that's usually something I always ask: Is it region locked? You know, that's one of the first questions I always ask about hardware: Is if you can play Japanese games on U.S. Uh, systems? PS Five has has no region locks for games. Okay, uh, so conceivably you could import the PS4 version and play it on your PS5 or play it on mm -hmm. your PS4 because the PS4 wasn't region locked either. So if you really like this franchise, don't be too upset. You may have to pay an extra 10 or 15 bucks to import the game if you want to play it. And I guess, I don't know, also playing this in Japanese might be a pretty big struggle. There's a lot of text and a lot of menus. So maybe Ixnay that. That may not be such a good idea after all. Um, did I enjoy it? Not really. The story is really stupid. Like the... It's not <clears throat> like there's lots of swear words and like adult conversations in it, but it feels like it's written by a five year old, if that makes any sense. It's just really juvenile and like the, the writing is supposed to be funny. It's not. And as you can see, most of the story is told via static images and text bubbles. There's really no cinematics in the game at all. It feels like a game that you should pay 25 or 30 bucks for, but because it has such a dedicated audience, they feel like they should and they can charge more for it than I believe that they should. So that's just Gaia 6. It is, again, a Switch exclusive, and there aren't a ton of those coming out over the next month or two. Uh, so, and it, also, strategy RPG is pretty good on a handheld. That's exactly the type of game you want on a handheld, to be honest, uh, because you can just stop it whenever you want, put it in your, in your bag or put it in your backpack and come back to it and just pick it up on the next turn. So turn-based anything always works well on a handheld, and this is obviously one of those examples. So there you go. We don't spend too much time talking about games like Disgaea, but I wanted to bring it up this time because we do have a lot of Switch fans on Sifted and on YouTube and everywhere else, and they're probably wondering what's up with the game. And in all honesty, there hasn't been much coverage of this game at all by anyone. Um, and you can also just find out yourself. Go on the Switch eShop, download it. It's not even a big download. It's not going to suck up a bunch of your uh, hard drive space on Switch or your memory card, as it were, your SD card, which I know everybody at this point has plugged into their Switch. All right. Let's move on to the final topic of episode 258. I'm doing pretty good here. We're getting through this in a timely manner. Wow, we're doing real good. And here is 
Matt's saving grace, we, t- we mentioned at the top of the show that I got burned because God of War was delayed out of the year for my fantasy team, but I was kind of hooked up because Dying Light 2 looks, looks like it's going to come out this year. Well, there was another game that was kind of iffy on whether it was going to come out this year or not, and as it turns out, it is, and that game is Far Cry 6, and that game is on Matt's fantasy team. So there's one that you're probably going to get because the release date for this is October 7th, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. October I wasn't 7th. too worried about it because the original release date was February. Yeah. So uh, I didn't think it was going to slip out of the year. Yep. But, uh, we'll see. I mean, anything can happen, but... Uh, Pretty good chances it's coming out. UB's pretty good at getting something big out each each holiday season, no matter what it may be. Yep. And it ain't going to be Skull and Bones, so... Yep, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, so if you guys don't know, Skull and Bones was just basically canceled to be rebuilt from scratch again. Again. I Why you would do that, I have no idea. Why would you just not cancel the project? Yeah. I have no idea. My, my guess is that it was built to take advantage of like a game-as-a-service microtransaction thing, and that is basically dead now. And so they feel the need to kind of start over on it. I wonder if they're going to just rebuild it and do what it should have been in the first place, which is just another black flag without right. the Assassin's Creed elements. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing. But just they, a straight-up pirate game. <clears throat> so they cancel slash decide to rework that game. Um, and then they show Far Cry 6, which, mm-hmm. as you probably know, open-world, first-person shooter, go anywhere, do anything, um, that does tend to fall into the Ubisoft open-world template. Uh, but it does sound like there are some pretty big changes for this one, at least compared to other Far Cry games. The biggest, I think, is the fact that you can holster your weapon and you don't have to fight everybody. So, well, actually, the biggest difference, really, Matt, and the reason they needed to give you the ability to do that is that the game is set in, in a city, in an urban environment, for the first time ever. It is the, te- the, the, the city is actually called Yara, but it's the island nation's Yara. The city is Esperanza. Right, right. Yeah, the island nation of Yara, the city of Esperanza, and the developers have already admitted that it's based on Cuba. So, <laughs> oh yeah. Um, and then there was the Esperanza whole... is very nakedly Havana. Yep. And then there was the whole back and forth that always goes back and forth with Ubisoft when you're talking to them about their games, which is, is this game political? I don't know why people feel like they need to ask Ubisoft that. Like. Just figure it out, dude. Mm. Yeah. Well, because you're going to obviously get a, you're going to, you know, UB executive people are going to say, no, it's not political, despite the fact that we made a game about a dictatorial, like, tyrannical regime in Cuba and overthrowing it. (laughs) And that is the goal. You're trying to essentially overthrow the dictator who has been ruling the country for 50 years. Um, You are a part of the resistance. He's older now, and he's like kind of like working on passing the torch down to his son. And part of the crux of the narrative of the game is whether the, the kid will choose to side with the revolution or this or this father, because mm-hmm. he his father isn't very nice to him. Yep. Um, I mean, he's Giancarlo Esposito. He's obviously he's not nice to him. Yep. Um, he, he's he's a, he's the go-to villain now for everything. <laughs> he's good. So he it's is. so he's funny because I had watched this on YouTube. YouTube's algorithm. Managed to spit out like a behind the scenes thing for the the episode where he dies, where his like face half of his face is blown no, off in Breaking Bad. In Breaking Bad, which is just an amazing shot episode, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I I started like the algorithm. He is always the villain. He is mm-hmm. like the villain in pop culture now, and he's great at it. Like I understand why he 
does it to a T, but he's also the bad guy in this. And you play <laughs> as a hero named Danny, and you can play Danny as either male or female versions. Um, and they are sparking the revolution against Castillo. Um, they're saying that there's co-op, but they won't say how many people, how it works, or anything like that yet. Um, so that's still a little bit of a mystery how the co-op yeah, works. Usually Far Cry's been two-player. Yep, usually it's just one other person that can play with you. Or AI, where you can, like, which one was it? Five or... Which one was it where you could just call in like allies? You made allies and you could call them in. Like the uh, one guy had always a- been. You ha- you've been always been able to do that to some degree or another. Not uh, in think this one. Four, I think four emphasized it the most. This one seems to be focusing more on animal companions. Yeah, so they removed the ability to call in backup from AI in this, and the and instead all you have are animal sidekicks, and they've only talked about two so far. There's the cute little dog that you've seen in all the trailers, and actually right on cue here he comes. He's a little do- a wiener dog with wheels. That is like the cutest thing ever. His name is Chorizo. Yep, Chorizo. And you use him to distract enemies. So mm-hmm. I'm guessing it will make for some pretty cool moments when you distract him and they all go up and go, oh, the cute dog. And you sneak up behind him and shiv him in the back or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the other sidekick that they mentioned is a crocodile. Um, and that one actually will attack for you and you can use it as an yeah. offensive partner. And what his was name his name? Guapo. Yeah, Guapo. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they haven't talked uh, about other ones yet, but those are the they two. Have. They've shown oh. two in there are two that they showed in the collector's edition uh packaging. They're like the, the there's like a steel book, and they've got I think they've they talked about like getting one of them includes like a white panther oh. or a white cougar, okay. I think, named uh named I think it's named Princess. Something like that. So there's a, there's you definitely have a panther companion, and that probably is a reskin of whatever the normal one is in the main game. I would think because it's like a, a collector's edition bonus. And then there's I think there, there's a there's an eagle, oh. or like a like a bird of prey you can call That's it. Cool. I think I think they showed a they showed like some kind of hawk or something. Okay. Uh, so as we said, you can holster your gun, which means you don't have to just constantly get attacked by enemies. Mm-hmm. Um, now you can't. Now when you holster your gun, you're safe, but if you pull out your gun and start fighting, then the enemy is going to start going after you, um, which is perfect. Like, you should have the choice when that happens. And they kind of had to do it because you can't just have everybody in the city constantly mm-hmm. attacking you. It just wouldn't work. So this, I think uh, this was necessity was the mother of invention in this case, which I'm yeah, totally they're focusing with. on kind of like the, the a minor decision of how to play. It's like you can kind of. There's like a bunch of dirt trails everywhere. They're like they're supposed to be left over from previous revolution, like the revolution that put Giancarlo Esposito in power, basically. And like they're still around, so you can use those to travel sort of discreetly. Like you can use like horses and stuff for that, or you can drive around on the freeways and into the city. And if you do that, you can. It, this actually lets you sort of fake your way through stuff. Like you can, you know, for I forge paperwork, and you can kind of like just walk through like a normal citizen, that kind of thing. Yeah, horses um, so are back. Actually they were removed, removed yeah. for the last game, strangely yeah. enough. Uh, so there is more, um, there's a little more subterfuge in this than just like hiding in a bush. Yeah. Uh, for once. Yep. Um, and look, once you go into like an enemy camp, it's it's game on. Like you can't yeah. you can holster your gun or not. They're coming after you once you go into a restricted area. So don't think it's just going to be this right. crazy but passive in, experience. But in terms of like the urban warfare, you more or less get to choose yep. when, it, when it goes loud. Yep. Which makes sense. Um, uh, Unless you do something stupid, I guess, and give yourself away. Yep. They haven't talked a ton about the mission objectives yet, but one thing that they did show is that for some of the missions, instead of getting a waypoint, you're going to have to use a photo on your cell phone 
to mm. find the location. Matt, I, f- I feel like there was another gamer, excuse me, or two that did that recently. I mean, there have been a few, like, you know, there's, I'm a, I don't know about a cell phone, but I, I definitely have played games where, like, you hold a photo you got, up or you f- photo up, you got like a little hand drawn map of a place that you, you needed to, like, go find and replicate or, like, you know, solve a riddle or, like, you know, oh, the two trees stand tall between the, the grandmother of the mountain kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. two trees and a mountain and wait for the moon to go up. And okay, that's now I got more ammo or some shit. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a you know I, I like uh, Far Cry. I think in general needs to get away from the handholding. So uh, giving you some 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 mental work to do there is probably a good idea. Yeah, I'd agree with that as well. Um, <clears throat> one of the biggest changes to the design of the game and kind of how you handle leveling up your character is that your perks aren't tied to your character anymore. They are actually tied to your gear. Mm. And at first I heard that and I was like, oh, that's not a big deal. Then I started thinking about it and I was like, actually, that is a big deal. Like, it makes me feel like I'm going to constantly be swapping through, like, weapon loadouts for situations and be like, okay, well, I need fire resistance for this. So I need to go find the gun that I attached, like, the fire perks to. Like, I don't know if I like that, Matt. How do you feel about it? Um, It sounds like something that seems cool at first but will end up being busy work like a pain in the ass yeah like, like i would rather, rather just... just give my character fire resistance instead of uh, tying it to a gun or some piece of armor or whatever yeah i would generally rather just be a jack of all trades but uh we'll see how it works out i mean they um, could it could be like um like biomutant where they give you like those preset like loadouts so that mm-hmm. it's very it, once you set them up they're saved and you can just go very quickly in the menu, select the loadout, go back, and there you are. In yeah, like my concern is that they're going to send me back to like a guerrilla camp or something, and uh, make me go to my locker and change everything out whenever I want to switch tactics. That would suck. Yeah. I, I, they would be really dumb to do something like that. Yeah, I think. Um, and then the final, really, and they didn't really show a ton of this game. I was surprised that they didn't give up more information. No, the trailers are, are a little short. Yeah. And then the final thing, really, is just how insane the guns are. And th- I love it. Like, there was a, they show, like, a backpack that has, like, rockets in the back, and it fires off, yeah, like, a, six rockets out of a backpack. Yeah, there's a bunch of, like, homemade backpack things, like that, and there's one that's, like, a, a jet pack, and there's one, I think, that... Um, I thought it shoots like smoke out or something like, you know, so the backpack, one of the guys that like does the weapon mods, like he makes a bunch of different backpacks for you. That's like a standard thing. And then like all the, they're doing a thing with like, is what is it called? Um, it translates to the resolver credo or something like that, where it's like, you just take household objects and whatever you can scrounge and piece it together to make the weapons work. The it's way Cuba. They work. They've been under sanctions yeah. for how many years now? And so everything that they have, from outside of Cuba is from somewhere else, and it's from like the fifties. It's like yeah. if you go to Cuba, they're still driving fifty-seven Chevys around in Cuba yeah. because they've been under sanctions for so long they can't import anything. And that and so is so are they in this game, right? And they come that comes through, and you're seeing a bunch of it now. Actually, that comes through in the weapons in this game. It's all stuff that they've cobbled together from really old stuff from other parts of the world where they can't get stuff from anymore. I think. That's pretty cool and pretty unique, and I was pleasantly surprised by the weapons that they showed because I was like, mm. "Oh God, these are going to be like steam powered, like shotguns." Oh no, like 
Some of this stuff is insane. And also the vehicle stuff, really intense. Um, again, like right now, we're seeing a 57 Chevy. It Pretty obvious where the inspiration came for this game. Mm. That's for sure. I do like the, uh, the CD launcher that plays the Macarena. Yeah, yeah, that's... That was what struck me the most about what they showed on this game is the weapons. Like, that was hilarious. Like, you shoot the CD, it kills them, and it starts playing the, the Macarena. You shoot another one, and then when the second one loads in, it picks up the song, like, right where it left mm-hmm. off. It's, it's just funny. Because like, uh, they're CDRs, and, like, if you look at it, it's, like, it's just the implications that it's just... It's just a stack of CDRs, and they all they all have Macarena burned on them. Yeah, like, it's just it's like someone did that. I they, guess, or that, or legs. things that nobody wants in the rest of yeah. the world. They're just like these relics that, like, just bootlegs. The rest yeah. of the world has moved on from, but not this area. Um, I like what I've seen so far, Matt. I'll be honest. Yeah. Um, I I think it's on the right path. Uh, I do have questions, and I wish they had shown a little more, but I'm guessing they held something back so they have something to talk about at E3. Yeah, I, they got some, some. They got plenty of time to show it. Yeah, they got some splaining to do, but they got plenty of time to do the splaining, I guess is the best way mm-hmm. to put it. Um, this was just kind of a little tease, and I wouldn't be surprised if next week we get like a huge chunk of gameplay. Some outlets actually already have pretty big chunks of gameplay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the fact that Ubisoft will... will release something officially in the next week or two is just pretty much a no-brainer. So we'll get to see a lot more of this game in the coming days, really, uh, which is pretty exciting. But what I've seen so far, pretty cool. Um, I don't know. Cuba doesn't excite me, but I think the side effects of it being set in Cuba has excited me. So if that makes any sense whatsoever. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm into it. I mean, I like Far Cry. Um, I was kind of let down by five in terms of like, I thought they, I think they chickened out on the setting and the story in five. Like mm-hmm. they had a chance to really delve into this like religious cult kind of like, which was more timely than we even thought we even yeah, knew it was. Yeah. Uh, at the time. <laughs> exactly. But instead they just turned into another like drug thing and yeah. all these, it, it felt like a, it felt like a really shine away from what that was real, what the subject matter really should have been. Well, I guess they weren't um, lying that time when they said the game wasn't political because <laughs> everyone's yeah. like, what do you mean it's not political? And as it turns out, they were just drug runners. So <laughs> pretty much, yeah, it was, it, there was, a, there, it could have been, it but it really yeah. wasn't outside of a very vague, like, you know, wide, wide angle sense. Yeah. This one, I feel that's going to be a lot harder to avoid because you are literally talking about a cultural, cultural and political revolution in a war-torn country at this point. Um, I don't know. I wonder if, you know, this is probably the closest to a real life conflict. This has ever, this series has ever gotten. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess the, the, the war in Tibet, you know, Tibet was not, a fake thing uh, in four. Like that was a real, you know, but as you know, pagan Min is not really a stand in for the Chinese government. And that I don't think it's more of an internal conflict, civil war kind of thing. Yep. Um, this feels like this is Cuba. Like I know it's called Yara and everything is, you know, the, the, all the serial numbers have been filed off or whatever. (laughs) Why wouldn't you just use like the, I don't understand. Why wouldn't you just use the real location? Um, I mean, I think the I, as I was getting to, like, I think because that affected real people and it affected real people in living memory. And if you're going to make like a comedy, it was partly a comedy game with like, you know, wacky sidekicks and like Macarena playing music throwers. Like there's people that would consider that to be disrespectful. And I wonder if Despite that's the fact be a, that it's blatantly obvious that it's based yeah. on Cuba. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, well, now that's what I mean. It's like because it's blatantly obvious. I wonder if you're going to get people that are like, oh, I don't know. This is a little distasteful. Yeah. Um, so like we'll see, but we'll see. Um, 
it's not like they make a hero out of a guy being a, ty- a tyrant. So it's yeah. like maybe, but like, I don't know. I mean, you're taking like him down. So I'm not Cuban, so I can't really answer that question. Yeah, but I, I I'm sure that. we will find the answer out soon enough. Yeah, as soon as they really blow it out at E3 and just go on Twitter, and you'll definitely get to see mm-hmm. the real reaction. Real quick, it seems like most of the reaction to this so far has been pretty positive, though. Yeah, I think so. I mean, in terms of the game I'll be playing, like, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Like, it looks cool. Yep. Uh, but I so like that, all the Far Cry. I do tend to like the Far Cry spin-off stuff more than the numbered ones. I agree. I think they're um, more interesting most of the time. Yeah, like, I like, I mean, my favorite Far Cry of the kind of the, the since they reinvented it with three is probably Primal. Like, I really like the Caveman one. I really liked it, too. Yep, I enjoyed it. And I, again, I generally enjoy the spinoffs more. I don't know why mm-hmm. that is, but it just seems to work out that way. You wouldn't. It just think- feels like they're a little freer in when they work on those. Like it's just like they they just because they don't have to do anything. You know, they reuse the map, they reuse the assets, and they just sort of like, what can we do with this? Like just go crazy, just just go completely off the map, and you know, like crazy neon eighties. You know, Blood Dragon, love that. I loved uh, Primal. Uh, I didn't love New Dawn, but I did like it more than five. You know, mm-hmm. like. It just feels like they they you know free it up a little bit more. Yeah, uh, and I'm I'm kind of excited to see what they do. You know, inevitably they'll probably do another one like that for this, uh, using the, the the Yara map, and I can't wait to see what that is. Either. That yep. too. Uh, so that's all we know right now about Far Cry Six. We will update you as we know more. Uh, it is coming to everything minus Switch. It is also coming to Stadia, and it's launching as of right now. The release date is October seventh, twenty twenty one. So not much long to wait for the actual game. Even less to wait for a lot more updates from Ubisoft about what's going to be in the game. All right. It's Q&A time, people. Wow. I manage this show well. This is the best Mm. I've done managing the time of a show in weeks. Like, I was literally off my game for, like, three weeks in a row. I'm finally starting to get back into the groove. Uh, It's time for Q&A. We actually have time for a lot of Q&A. So get your questions in if you got them. Go at Sifted Games. It'll make it easy for, for us to pluck them out of the chat. Um, While I'm waiting for some questions to get in there, I'll thank some people for Twitch Prime. Um, One Supermaster Gamer, thank you. JamRain99, thank you for the Tier 1 subs. You're awesome. You always are awesome. Uh, Let's see. I saw a ton at the beginning. It is the turn of the month. It is the first part of June, so a lot of you guys are going to have to resubscribe again or can resubscribe again. Commander Fett, thank you. Steady Decline, thank you. Um, McWomble. I can't tell if he, like, I just see a bunch of flags. <laughs> I don't know what you did. <laughs> uh, um, I think that might be it. Uh, no, Magister Cato, thank you for Twitch Prime. Surgeon Ed, thank you for Twitch Prime. Mike's Q, thank you for Twitch Prime. And on and on and on. All right, let's see if we have any questions. We covered a lot of games today, so you guys should have plenty of questions. Um, here's one from Mermelson, I believe. Um, after the pandemic, is the market going to overheat? And if so, how will the semiconductor shortage affect the gaming industry and in what way? Wow. That's an intense one. Um, let's see. Is the market yeah, I think going- you're already kind of seeing it with how the hard the PS5 is to get. Is the mar- well, his first question is, is the market going to overheat? I think he's asking is, like, is there going to be a drastic fall off of people buying games because everyone's going back out and, like, doing stuff? I 
think I don't think so. I do. I think I don't think it'll be drastic. I think there will definitely be a dip in game sales in 2022. I think it I may think be, the dip is going to be hard to hard to distinguish from just the lack of interesting content to get. That could be. But I think you may see next year maybe the first year where the gaming industry is actually down a little year over year because somewhat I, this because year was just so the much, yeah. most stellar year for games. Everything just lined up for the games industry. I think your biggest barometer on that is going to be GTA five. Yeah, that's possible. Cause that game's cheap now and a lot of people are going to buy it mm. um, for their new consoles. I don't know. Um, I do think sales will go down next year, at least a little bit. Uh, because the other part of it, too, is a lot of the casual folks are going to stop buying games next year as they go out and do whatever it is that the casual folks do. I wouldn't know. <laughs> but they're going to go out and have their lives, and they're not going to buy as many games or play as many games as possible. But you have the hardware. You have people still trying to get PS5. You still have people trying to get Xbox Series. Um, and so that hardware sales are going to offset some of the loss of software sales. So it could be flat. It could be a little up or a little down, but I don't think we're going to see the growth that we saw in 2021. And then the semiconductor shortage, how is that going to affect the gaming industry? I think you're just going to continue to see low yield on production. Mm -hmm. It's going to continue to be hand-to-mouth with the consoles. Um, It's going to continue to be hard to get a PS5 until the end of the year. I guarantee it. Probably midway through next year, you might see a PS5 on a store shelf. Maybe. Um, You're already starting to see Xbox Series S on store shelves. You can go into a Target or Walmart and run into those every once in a while. Um, Series X, still hard to find at retail. And my guess is after the holidays, probably in January or February, I think we'll start seeing those on store shelves. PS5 still, though, is an enigma. Um, And I think you're going to see it with everything, though. There's just not enough semiconductors for anything. For cell phones... There's not going to be enough for the new Switch. There's not enough for consoles. There's not going to be enough for the new Steam handheld we talked about earlier. Mm. It's a problem. They're, they're, it's a problem with cars. They don't have enough of them for anything. Any piece of electronics or anything that has electronics in it are going to be affected by it, I think, until at least midway through next year. What do you think, Matt? I mean, that sounds pretty accurate. Also, wait until we actually literally run out of semiconductor material. Yeah. Because that's coming probably within our lifetimes. Yep. Probably so. Uh, next question from Case Money. Get questions in, people. We only have two questions in here. What's going on with you people? E3 is like literally 10 days away. You have to have a million questions. Uh, Case Money. If Horizon misses 2021, does Microsoft have any big guns that can win the holiday? Yeah, I mean, possibly. I guess if they, get, if they get Halo out. Halo and Hellblade. I mean, Hellblade should be due for release by the end of the year. Um, do I think it's going to be like Avowed or anything big from Bethesda? No. no. But I think that Microsoft, Halo is big. If Halo is good, it's big enough to win all on its own. Imagine if Halo Infinite gets, and look, this is just conjecture. I'm not saying this is going to happen. But imagine if Halo Infinite gets like a 9.5 Metacritic average. Like that could absolutely win Q4, especially if, Something like Horizon doesn't make it. Obviously, God of War now, not making it before the end of the year. Who knows what Nintendo's going to have in Q4? It could absolutely win Q4 if Halo ends up being something extraordinary. Do I think Hellblade 2? I think the chances of that happening are a little lower. But the first Hellblade, it did really well with critics because of its approach and the way it's in its subject matter, mental health, and the way it approached mental health. It was a very unique way to do it. If it can do something like that again, then... It has an opportunity, but otherwise I would say probably not. So 
I do think that most of that would be hinging on Halo Infinite to deliver. And we'll see. They got an extra year to polish the sucker up and make it everything it can be. So no excuses if Halo Infinite does not come in hot. Uh, anything else you want to add to that, Matt? No, that's about right. I mean, I think, you know, if Horizon drops out and Nintendo doesn't have anything really electrifying, I think your Q4 is basically uh, Halo, could be Halo versus Call of Duty. Yeah. Like those are your biggest profile releases then. Yep. Uh, I I hope Halo delivers. Halo's got to be good. Like that's the main thing. I hope like, it, it is. It has to be good. I hope it's good, man. I'm a fan of that franchise. I feel like I've suffered through the last couple there's no more excuses for 343 either. Let's be honest. Like, they mm-hmm. had their two games to get their feet wet and find their footing. This is it. Got to do it. Uh, next from Lynn Jeff 99 What's up, man? How you doing? Hope you're doing good. Uh, are you guys going to Patrick's party this year? Is it going to be crazy? No, it's not going to be crazy because it's not happening. There it's is not no. going to be. No. This is why it was removed from our Patreon. It's something that people could pledge for uh, because the party is not happening. And Patrick is not happy about it. He he really feels like it could have happened and that it was killed too early. Um, but he's resigned to the fact that it's not happening now. And he is literally planning an E3 party next year that he says will be double the budget of any E3 party he's ever had. So it will be... Wow. I know. It will be like three years that he didn't have a party. And so he's like, when we come back, we're coming back hard. So... Once we know the details about that, we will add it back onto our Patreon as something that you can pledge for. And keep in mind that it will be That'll like, be the one to go to. Yeah, it will be the because if you're saying it's double what we've had before, that's it. No, that I can't is even absolutely what that's insane. gonna be. Yeah, yeah. That's but we'll keep you updated. We'll let you know when it's gonna be some like I don't know, like Arabian <laughs> Nights shit. I, I know. guess I know. Uh, so once we know more, we'll let you know and we'll add it back to our Patreon and let you guys know when you can kind of go and bid on it. Uh, let's see. Welcome now, to the Pactor Palace. Yeah, it looks like my scolding <laughs> woke you guys up. We got questions now, and we got time to answer them, so keep them coming. Um, uh, let's see. Nox Aeternitatis. I, I can never pronounce that. Okay, I'll bite. What are you guys looking forward to at E3 with conservative expectations, and what are you really hoping for? Go first, Matt. Um, I don't know, conservative expectations. I just like some stuff to look forward to in Q4. Um, yeah, that's fair. Like, like pie in the sky stuff. I'd like to see some concrete something about Beyond Good and Evil 2. Okay. That's I don't fair. think we will, but like that would be, if, if, if there's one guy kind of missing an action game, I'd like to get some like proof of life on. That would be that. That would be it. Very simple for me. Gameplay of God of War. Gameplay of Breath of the Wild 2. I'm mm-hmm. good. If I get both of those two things, I'm good. I feel like you're going to get those things. I think so. I've been unpleasantly surprised before, <laughs> Kyle. <laughs> At the very least, I feel like you'll get God of War. Yeah. You know, I mean, Nintendo, I, I can't always predict properly, but it feels like it's about the, about time, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, Sir Spider, just a shout out to Sam Loving. You are streamlined, focus on Game Face, and Three Night Weekend. Three-night weekend is real quality. Nice one. Thank you. I appreciate that. There's a lot of work that goes into that show. I wish more people would watch it, uh, particularly on YouTube. Um, This week, uh, Colin Moriarty did a a conversation with David Jaffe, um, and it was really good. It was a really good conversation. He finally basically explained what happened to Kind of Funny. I don't know why he waited so long to do it and why it took David Jaffe basically – 
turning the tables on him for it to happen. It started out as him interviewing Jaffe, but like 30 minutes into it, it just got flipped. And it was Jaffe mm. controlling the show, interviewing Colin Moriarty. It's on Sifted if you want to check it out. It's really interesting. Um, so I, I'll say this. like I started doing Three Night Weekend, and now I'm starting to see everybody else kind of starting to do the same thing. I'm not saying that they saw it and they're like, oh, we should do that. I have no idea. But it is a little uncanny that we launched the show and all of a sudden Jeff Keighley announces that he's going to do something like that. And then Colin Moriarty starts doing some, something like that. I don't know. They, it could just be all coincidence, which would be kind of crazy. Um, but it, that show does remind me, or that show in particular reminded me, because Jaffe was like the second episode of Three Night Weekend. But for whatever reason, like people just don't want to consume serious content about video games. They just don't. Like Even... That show only had like 30,000 views or something like it. And it's really good. Like more people should watch that. More people should be watching and listening to Three Night Weekend. But the truth of the matter is people just want goofy shit. Like that's Mm -hmm. what sells in game coverage. Like it just is. Goofy shit. Like stunts or whatever. Pranks like or just weird lists or like trying to jimmy a game somehow, play the whole game backwards. Or well, that is the stuff that seems to do well now. I don't know why. I it feels like all the older players that are our age just like don't engage with it at all. Like maybe they still buy games and they play them, but they don't seem to engage with content anymore, which it makes me sad because that was the whole idea behind Sifted and it's still the idea behind our content. So it sucks. Like, I wish Three Night Weekend got a lot more views. I believe it deserves a lot more views, a lot more listeners. And to that end, uh, we have started launching the Sifted Radio podcast out into other podcast services for free. Um, just like the Game Face podcast feed, it is four days delayed. Um, but up until now, the only way people could listen to or watch Three Night Weekend for free was on our YouTube channel. Well, Right now, it's on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. We're still working on Stitcher and iHeartRadio. But it's out there. Go find it. Just search for Sifted Radio. Please subscribe. Please review it. It makes a big, big difference in podcast services if you review the podcast. Like Even if you're one of our patrons or subscribers to Sifted, Go review Game Face on the podcast services. It makes a big, big difference. That's how they bubble up when someone's like, hey, what's a cool gaming podcast? If we don't have a lot of reviews and a lot of positive feedback on the podcast, we'll never come up. So just something else that you can do to help us. It doesn't cost anything. It could make a really big difference for us. And organically, you just reminded me that Sifted Radio is up on some podcast feeds. I wanted to wait until it was up on all of them to make an announcement, but your question uh, just kind of jogged my memory. So anyway, it's out there for free uh, on several podcast services right now. Let's see what's next. OCD Master 1. What do you think was the best JRPG from the last generation? Oh, God. Persona 5 for me. I don't think it's even close. What about you, Um, Matt? Keeping mm -hmm. in mind that when I say JRPG, I think turn-based RPG. Although, mm. I would still maybe argue that Persona 5 is still just the best Japanese RPG from last gen. Um, no. I know how much you love Persona 5, Matt. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think, like, nothing really jumps out at me. Then there was no winner. I don't, I don't, think, I, I don't think I liked any JRPGs enough last, last generation to really... S- 
call anything the best. Like I probably played Persona 5 the most, but I didn't really like it that much. I never finished it. I uh I I um I got to the final dungeon and never reloaded the save. No. Wow. So I pl- I played for like 100 hours, <laughs> but wow. I never actually finished it. <laughs> That's crazy, dude. You made it all that way. The end of that game was pretty tough though. Like it- some of the last battles, man, I thought yeah. were hard. I had to play like, did, a bunch I, of times. I'd have to, I'd have to count like weird stuff, like one of the from software games, or like, uh, oh, like, I don't know, like. Um, I mean, Bloodborne. Zeno- if Bloodborne counts, yeah, like, it I does. guess it's kind of it's kind of an action JRPG, yeah. or like, or like one of the Yakuza's, yeah, that kind of thing. But yeah, in terms They're of like, even less traditional- RPGE. But in terms of like a traditional, like more traditional, like for Persona or like uh, you know, um, uh, like, like Dragon Fantasy Dragon Warrior Dragon Questing, yeah. like I, I don't really have anything. I mean, hell, if you're turn based, if turn based is the is the criteria, then Final Fantasy is not a JRPG anymore, right? Um, yeah. That all of those lines have blurred to the point that it's hard to decide. Like, like arguably, Near Automata could be a JRPG. Yeah, it's an action RPG. Um, uh, Any game I spend 100 hours with, <laughs> I did that for a reason, so I'm just going to give I'd it like the crown. I'd like to think so, but I think a lot of Persona 5 was sort of momentum. I think Persona 5 should have been about 30 hours shorter. Oh, I agree. It like, could have been 50 hours, and I feel like I would have got just as much out of it as yeah, I Yeah, plenty. Of, just <laughs> cut all the times they repeat the premise to a new character, right. on, and I think you've saved about 20 <laughs> hours right there. That's good, Kyle. Uh, let's see. From Norix Nessie 94 for do you think sony will have a game showcase this summer or just have a bunch of state of play showings well i think you're going to get a big one around e3 um which means unless they decide not to play they're gonna there's no way they're not going to do anything around e3 week there's just no way you don't think they're going to do something matt i don't know i mean they have they've in the past they haven't but i feel like after the last year you have to kind of fall in fall in line a little bit here launch a new console I think we're going to get a big state of play for E3, and then I wouldn't expect we get another one until, like, end of summer, early fall, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's when they'll reassure us that uh, Horizon Forbidden West is, in fact, coming before the end of the year. Yeah. Or. <laughs> or. <laughs> I'm just trying to stay positive, Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just curious if they'll address the PlayStation 5 shortages. I doubt it. Other than to say good luck, and it's not going to change anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, or we'll just get like the usual, like we appreciate your enthusiasm for the for our PlayStation products or something. Yeah. Knox says I'm getting close to pronouncing it correctly. I'll get it next time. I'll keep <clears> trying, <throat> brother. I'll do the best that I can. Uh, do we have any more? Uh, here's one last one from Merlmason. Any new UG albums or movies to recommend? I don't know what UG means. Underground. Oh, um, let me think. Off the top of my head, no. You should, if you don't, you should listen to Three Night Weekend because every week or every other week when we publish that show, I give you my underground music picks every episode um, for the new releases of that week. You can even go back and listen to the last like four episodes and there are like 10 indie albums, underground albums in there. Um, You'll find the stuff that I recommend in there. What about movies, Matt? Any underground movies that you recommend? Um, if you uh, if you are somewhere you can, 
go to the theater or in a position to go to the theater, uh, I recommend uh, In the Heights, uh, which is Lin-Manuel Miranda, the guy who did uh, Hamilton. Um, as he was trying to get that movie made for a long time, it was supposed to finally come out last year, got delayed because of the pandemic, and finally it's coming out in a couple weeks. And uh, Buzz is very good about it, very high, and uh, I'm going to go see it uh, at the Chinese theater. And uh, I would uh, encourage everyone to support it if they can. I do have some really yeah. bad news, at least bad news for me. So I bought tickets to go see New Order at the Hollywood Bowl. I've talked about this before, like two years ago. Mm-hmm. And so obviously the pandemic starts, the show was canceled. Um, and then two weeks ago, I received tickets in the mail for this year, for the mm-hmm. same day at the Hollywood Bowl. And we were so elated, my wife and I, we were huge New Order fans, Joy Division fans. So I put the tickets up on the refrigerator. So every time you open it, you're like, yeah, we're going to see New Order when all this is over. It was just this thing we were both looking forward to. And yesterday, they canceled the freaking tour. <laughs> Not only did they cancel it, they do reschedule it. And they reschedule it for October of 2022. So now I'm faced with the idea of holding on to these tickets that I paid for three years ago, Matt. <laughs> I have by... July 1st to decide whether I want a refund of the tickets or whether I want to hold on to them until October of 2022. They're playing with Pet Shop Boys, which I don't I don't even like Pet Shop Boys that much. But what would you do, Matt? Would you hold on to them? Like we are so destroyed I mean, I and devastated that they canceled the show for this October that we were just like, no, let's just get refunds or whatever. But now as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, maybe I should just hold on. Because they were hard to get also, I should Yeah, add. no, when, that, when the October 2022 rolls around, you're still going to want to go see New Order. You're right. That's a, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. You're not going to be mad about it anymore. That's true. So you should hold on to the tickets. Okay. And that money to me is already gone. It's like It's yeah. not like I even look at them like money anymore because I paid the money three years ago for the tickets. So it's right. not like I'm looking at it like, oh, I need that cash or whatever. Like that money is already down the toilet as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, I think we're going to hold on to them. Um, but, man, that sucks. Like, it, I, you know, the whole time we're like, oh, that, that'll be what we'll get to do when everything goes back to normal. Mm-hmm. And now it's just Foosh, right down the toilet. It's really disappointing to uh, find that out. So the world isn't getting back to normal quite as quickly, I think, as like we thought it was going to. No, I think some things faster than others. Yeah. Unfortunately, concerts was not one of them. And this is... Concerts is going to be one of the last things, yeah. And keep in mind, this concert is outdoors at the Hollywood mm-hmm. Bowl, which w- I, the problem wasn't the Hollywood Bowl. The problem is, is that it's a tour where they're going to go where they're supposed to go to states where their their vaccination rate is really low or or to a venue that's indoors or whatever. So I understand why it happened, because when you do a tour, you can't just be like, well, the Hollywood Bowl will work, so let's do the whole right. dang tour for one show. You can't do it. So I get it. It's just really disappointing. It was just something I was so looking forward to all this time. It was like the the carrot on the stick that I've been chasing after for the last like 15 months, and now it's just gone. Uh, but anyway, uh, things are going to come back slower than I think I anticipated. Maybe a lot of people did. But it's just good that things are coming back at all. So sometimes you just have to count your blessings, including the awesome support from people like you. Uh, before we go, just want to remind people, Sifted and Game Face is supported 100% by our Patreon. You can find that at patreon.com slash sifted. That's S-I-F-T-D without the E. If you want to find me, on social media, I'm Dinfire everywhere on Twitter, 
pretty much everywhere. If you want to find Matt, you can find him on Twitter, at mkyle. Most importantly, if you can't afford to support us, um, although you can help us with Twitch Prime, and if you're on YouTube, that's down in the description. It takes a minute to do it. But if you can't help us financially, um, you can always follow Sifted on Twitter, at Sifted Games. And if you're waiting to find out when all our stuff goes up for free on YouTube, that is the exact place to do it. So the final reminder... We'll be back next Tuesday at our normal time. We'll, we will be doing some E3 preview stuff next week, talking about kind of the big games you should be looking for, what we expect. We'll lay out our E3 coverage schedule in next Tuesday show as well. And then just four days later on Saturday, it is E3 2021, rocking Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. And there are events throughout all three of those days. So we will be hanging tight with you guys for three days straight, pretty much. And Matt will probably be back in the studio for the first time, which is amazing mm. and a sign of progress. So thanks for everybody who hooked us up with Twitch Prime. Gohan Rage, just saw you gave me Twitch Prime. Thanks, brother. I see that. Um, thanks to everybody who did that. Uh, Call of Duty 1, I see you got in late. Thanks for Twitch Prime. Uh, thanks to everybody who gave us bits, anyone who gave out subs in our chat, people who just stuck around for the entire episode. We really appreciate it. We'll see you guys next Tuesday. Don't forget, at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Until then, Game Face is up and out.